Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. here on this Monday afternoon. I'm Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM1600. KIVABQ.FM RockofTalk.com 550-5500 is the number to call. Broadcasting from well, a place called Odington yes, Maryland. O-D-E-N-T-O-N for those keeping score at home, that would be uh, D-Doubt Muska, who is uh, there in the studio. Don't forget, you can catch us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV. Uh, you can go ahead and Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify us, and why not app us directly at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. We got all the lawnmowers and the traffic just going off right at the right time. Uh, hey, welcome, guys. Welcome in into the show. Uh, the good folks uh, near the steakhouse in Odington uh, here to help greet the good people of Albuquerque, New Mexico. So much to get to, so little time. D-Dowd Musk, hour one. Whoa, a whole bunch of fun here on this uh, Monday afternoon, sir. How are you, sir? Uh, I am well and uh, had a great weekend with, of course, my, my golden retrievers, getting a lot of reading done. Eddie, today I think our, our mission needs to be soothing the national uh, populace yes. because we have had a, 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 a national disaster. We have had a, a tr- national tragedy Meghan Markle's animated Netflix series has been canceled before it even starts. Uh, I know that that's going to be on everybody's minds today. Uh, we're here for you, and uh, we're, we're here to walk you through it and talk you through it and uh, just provide some counseling. I mean, because we all know and love Meghan Markle. Oh, do we ever uh, know her, love her, want her? Maybe Ron DeSantis should be recruiting her to the state of Florida. No, I got to tell you, we've got a lot of uh, things to cover. And Meghan Merkel is not going to be high on that list uh, for those who aren't catching, uh, you know, D-Dowd Muska's sarcasm. Uh, that's all that is uh, right there. You know, some people are just listening for the very first time today. Some people getting a, a, a flavor for the Rock of Talk, a flavor for the Dow 3000, a flavor for what we do. We welcome uh, all listeners in from wherever they might be in and around the world, ladies and gentlemen, and maybe some of them right there in the Ukraine. And I think we just kind of need to start there. Um, There's so much information just right there, but we will cover the governor's race in the state of New Mexico. Uh, You know, there's a lot going on uh, there. Biden's military moves uh, continue to sort of pile in, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about public transportation pros and cons. I'll talk about it from a federal level, and then, of course, the costs, and uh, as as well as my scootering around uh, Washington, D.C., I wouldn't consider that public transportation. That's quite expensive, Um, going to all the different monuments and uh, etc. I shared some photos and I got to tell you, uh, Twitter's a, con- a complete and total waste of my time, but I'm happy to go ahead and blast stuff out there, whatever. I'm not going to sit there and type and concoct and create uh, little messages for people. We'll talk about Donald Trump. Maybe, um, you know, how he isn't respected, isn't loved and, uh, you know, why there might be some good reasons for that. And I think moreover, um, his uh, complete and total failure of a social media, uh, speaking of Twitter, um, that will most certainly go into a petty stock. Dowd's got some insight there. And then um, 
I watched a little film, and I want to talk about CRT uh, for adults, uh, as uh, that is known as the Amber Crombie and Fitch documentary. Not a good one, uh, ladies and gentlemen. A great one um, from the from the way that it's put together, but uh, you got a little CRT on the Netflix, and uh, why Netflix is may not be sticking around for very long. But Dowd, uh, let's just kind of start from the top because you know this propaganda war that's going on and that's exactly what this is that people say proxy war no it's not a proxy war it's a propaganda war to usurp as much of the united states resources as possible to send to the ukraine and let me ask you do you even know where it goes once it gets to the ukraine there, you'd have no idea but you see Pelosi walk, walking with Zelensky, and you think to yourself, well, okay, well, I'm, I'm glad we have solidarity. I'm glad we're sticking with our allies. Well, I'm going to give you some reasons why you shouldn't be happy about that. And these are things just hiding right there in plain sight. And it has to do with the amount of money that is hitting the Ukraine and the amount of money that's coming out of the United States. We switched off Afghanistan to go ahead and reopen Ukraine. We go from one war to another, um, you know, with all uh, the compliments that uh, Biden has received for him, quote unquote, ending. It was a terrible pullout and even a rougher start uh, to get into the Ukraine. And they are messing everything up top to bottom. And Republicans and rhinos, and, and, and I will say this, just sort of pepper this in. There's a Republican at the very top of the mall. His name, Abraham Lincoln. And he is shaking his finger, shaking his head and wagging his finger directly at every single rhino that's out there. Because what people like Adam Kinzinger are doing, people like, uh, well, t take your pick of any rhino that's out there that's advocating for war uh, at this point. They are leading us down another 15 to 20 year war the way i see this getting strung out now this is going to be the world's first trillion dollar war there's no doubt about it and there's no way to control the amount of arms that are coming out of the united states the amount of help and it's not a proxy war we are literally fighting the war regardless of the fact regardless of the fact that if we're on the ground and we're going to talk about some people that are quote unquote volunteering their time but Adam Kinzinger, the Republican from Illinois, wants a war, as does every, nearly every Democrat and every Republican in Washington, D.C. Something happens to these people. They get a full frontal lobotomy when they come to Washington, D.C. They're like, yes, vote for that. Let's wave the flag. I'm feeling patriotic. And let's vote for bailouts. Let's vote for wars. Americans don't need another war. And here we are in the middle of it. Why are we fighting for the Ukraine? Now, there are some of you who are literally driving around town with ukrainian flags what's wrong with you why do you know anything about the ukraine do you know anything that's involved there one of the most corrupt countries you know that they're not part of nato do you know that we don't have a responsibility and obligation to the united nations at this point yet you've got guys who are quitting their jobs this one in abc news harrison josephowitz i don't know if i'm pronouncing that uh, right uh, doubt but i think i did quit his job as a Chicago police officer and headed overseas after Russia invaded Ukraine. You know how good it is? You know how good that money and the bailouts and how much money people are piling up? They piled up so much money that they can go ahead and decide to quit their jobs, leave their community, and go fight for a place that they've never even heard of or maybe never even been, and likely quite many of those both. Why? Because they're just looking for wars, just like Republicans and Democrats. 
an army veteran. He said he couldn't help. You mean there's nothing else you could have done but join in with Ukraine? Like, you know, something drew you to go ahead and uh, shutter up the house to, to, to fly across the world to fly to, to fight for the Ukraine? He wants to help Ukrainians in their their fight for what? Was he aware of the uh, penis piano playing of Vladimir Zelensky? Likely not. If he was, and he still made the decision, my gosh, how ridiculous that. He heads a group called Task Force Yankee. I feel like everybody wants to be like the next hero. They're looking for purpose in their life. They're looking for direction, doubt. So all of a sudden, they're like, oh, I've got some resources. I've got some money. I've got some fight in me. I'm going to head on over to the Ukraine. I want to come back a hero. Here's what he's doing. He's rolling out 15,000 first aid kits, helping relocate more than 80 families, dozens of pallets. But here's what the problem is. Those are American people on the ground in Ukraine. Ladies and gentlemen, that's a war. That is a war we are now participating in. And here's where Adam Kinzinger comes in. He voted and stated or introduced a bill and stated yesterday, clearly on national TV, that if they should so much as launch one chemical weapon or launch anything towards us, that we will do everything within our power, just like Nancy Pelosi, to go ahead and support the Ukraine. Why is that our obligation? Let's not forget who amped up this war. It was Vladimir Zelensky who got us involved in this war. It was Vladimir Zelensky and Joe Biden. They created this war, they create the problems, and they want us to go ahead and, and, and make some sort of solution. The, the, the long and the short of this is this will never come to an end. This will go on until Russia decides that they ultimately want to go ahead and kill everything off and be done with it forever. They might just decide to go ahead and finish it off. When? When will that happen? This is a former U.S. Marine okay, who died last week, was believed the first American citizen killed while fighting in Ukraine. We have officially spilled American blood in the Ukraine. Is that being reported anywhere? He says, this is Josevitz, I'm just trying to do everything I can to make sure I can help others not go through what I went through. He said during an interview conducted through a messaging platform, on a determined number of other Americans are going to the Ukraine with military backgrounds are thought to be in the country battling U.S. or Russian forces beside both Ukrainians and volunteers from other countries, even though U.S. forces aren't directly involved in fighting aside from the sending the military itself. What did Vladimir Putin said? If we get involved in the war that they will punt it. And who's in a better position? The proximity, literally, at most, hundreds of miles for Russia. Many cases, cases around the border. If you do that overlay of the oil and the resources with the area that Russia controls, what do we know? We know that Russia already controls the resources that they want, and they're willing to string it out now, 10, 15, 20 years. And if we're going to go ahead and try to defend Crimea or take back Crimea, what's going to happen there? This is not our fight. This is not our war. This is not the time to do this. Meanwhile, the economy locally is cratering in the United States of America. Things are going on the wrong side. And it seems to me that the only thing that they're focused on is these midterm elections. Trying to create another crisis. I don't know where the stock market was today. It was too busy, you know, checking out Washington, D.C. But that's the bigger crisis that's coming, and we don't have the ability to pay for a trillion dollars worth of war. And let's put this all in perspective, and Dowd's got the notes right in front of him on this, because this is kind of incredible. When you look at the amount of money that we have decided to go ahead and spend on this war, a broke federal government showering Ukraine with billions of dollars, 
How much? Well, 33 billion Ukraine package, the biggest of its kind. Biggest of its kind. 33 billion may not seem when you're buying Twitter for 44 billion, but we do need to put this in perspective. This is on top of 14 billion that's already been spent, which is a cool 47 billion dollars. 47 billion for the Ukraine. That surpasses all but 12 countries' total budget, even collectively, for any and all wars. This is crazy. If you aid packages, also more than all the U.S. has spent on the so-called overseas contingency operation during the first year of the U.S. conflicts in Afghanistan, and more than total the amount of money all but 13 countries in the world spend on their military, period. That's what we're spending. Now, when we compared apples to apples, we took the Russian the amount that they're spending versus the Ukraine's the amount that they're spending on national defense. Ukraine was complete and totally outmatched. And this is where it's no longer a proxy war. This is the United States versus Russia. This is a world war because the Ukraine could simply not fight this war without us. We are fighting it for them with our resources. And who knows what's even happening with all that stuff. We're going to talk more about this because I think it's a conversation that, you know, the mainstream media isn't going to be happy. I'm not even going to say mainstream media anymore because it's conservatives and liberals and all of media out there who's advocating for the continuance of this ridiculousness. Heck, Mark Levin is saying we got to go out and save democracy across the pond with Ukraine. What kind of nonsense is this? I guess it's not very difficult for the uh, Democrats to go ahead and confuse the Republicans or the conservatives at this point. Meanwhile, you've got conservatives who are celebrating Elon Musk for doing nothing more than making a business deal for himself. Ron DeSantis uh, issuing another salvo. We're going to talk more about the Ukraine, but saying to, uh, hey, Elon Musk, and he's playing it right, he says, yeah, these country, these companies are great, but we're not about to try and break the, uh, bring them into the state of Florida so they can go ahead and take advantage of our easy uh, taxes and our uh, good fiscal positions. 550-5500. That's 550-5500 here in uh, Odenton, yes, Maryland. Uh, Odenton, Maryland. Interesting place. Uh, but I came out here to meet a, a couple of people and, of course, take in the little sites. And, you know, some, several of the people will be listening, uh, both in New York and Baltimore and some other places. So we appreciate everybody tuning in. Uh, back after a quick break, when we return, we got to touch more upon this, uh, Dowd. We're going to talk about the Ukrainians continuing to lie and what they're doing, and then the media and all this, and how culpable they are in every aspect of this, uh, because they're doing nothing to hold power, either on the left or the right, accountable. And you've got conservative media caving into all of that. 550-5500, that's 550-5500 right here in the Kiva, on AM1600, KIVA, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Take a four-minute break. Thanks for listening. I'm dying of the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you things I find it hard. 
Wonderful stuff there. I remember that uh, being performed by the Marines uh, drill team and, and execution was flawless of the enlisted men who run a drill team in the Marines back when I went to Boys Nation here. It's been 17 years, D. Dowd Muska, since I've been back here in uh, Washington, D.C. And uh, it's funny. I think you kind of never really leave it. It makes you proud. I think to be an American in, in so many ways, visiting the monuments and I'll talk a little bit later on about all the places that I visited on uh, Friday and Saturday, really Saturday. I got in pretty late on Friday, but we'll do that a little bit later. Meanwhile, I, I think we just need to get back to this Kinzinger piece because people are asking, well, what did Kinzinger do? Well, he announced a new authorization for the use of military force an AUMF which would allow President Joe Biden to deploy American troops to defend Ukraine if Russia uses chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons. The bill is titled to authorize the use of United States armed forces to defend the territorial integrity of the United States allies. Just think about that for a second. Ukraine isn't even a full-fledged member of NATO. In order for us to defend them, they'd actually have to have been. They said they didn't want it. They're saying, oh, well, where's the United States? They cried. They, they, they hemmed. They hawed. They got what they wanted, which is our money. <laughs> That's it. I dare I say it. Uh, I'd like to track that money that goes to the Ukraine because I think a lot of it is going to get, you know, paying a lot of people off. And how do you destroy records, especially when uh, a current president a current president has a, remember Burisma, the Ukraine, remember all these types of things. Oh, are there, they must have gotten lost in the war. We're not really sure what happened and the corruption. Well, fortunately, we still have the stuff uh, in the state of New Mexico, which we'll uh, talk about at a future date. In a speech just days before voting for the AUMF, back in 2002, Joe Biden downplayed the risk George W. Bush would use the authority to go to war in Iraq. I will vote for this because we should be compelling Iraq to make good on its obligations to the United Nations. That is Joe Biden. Apparently, these political types, whether it's Joe Biden, George Bush, whatever it happens to be, have more allegiance to non-governmental organizations, NATO and the United Nations, than they do their own country. So 550, 50, 500, I'll read some of your uh, text, but we're broke. 30 plus trillion dollars, uh, D-Dow and Muska. This Ukraine aid, we've already alluded to it, uh, to the tune of $47 billion. This is just the tip of the iceberg to put it sort of all in uh, perspective. But uh, it's a two-front war. It's not just a war on the Ukraine. It's also a war against COVID. Some money coming through uh, in this uh, big bill. It's uh, You find politicians who don't know how to run businesses or create any real wealth. But what they do know how to do is loot and use drama to go ahead and create uh, win falls uh, for themselves and little companies that are set up throughout the rest of the world. $33 billion in Ukrainian aid, D-Dowd Moscow. Yeah, it's uh, unbelievable. As you said, Eddie, we had, what, 13, 14 billion in March. The 33 billion is, again, more than we spent, I guess, in any single year in Afghanistan. It's bigger than the entire State Department's 
budget. I guess the good news is it's kind of being held up in Washington right now. Uh, there's issues over coronavirus relief and immigration policy, so the Republicans are are being difficult. But absolute madness. Uh, in, in, again, we're, this is an escalation, 13, 14 billion, then 33 billion. And then if Kinzinger gets his way, uh, war potentially. Before we, we breeze past that, Eddie, this authorization of force against Russia, that's, again, this has just been drafted. It's not law right now, but there's a lot of nuts in Congress, who Republicans and Democrats, who will support this. The exact language of it, now, now get, get, get this, uh, as if we haven't had enough of the legislative branch surrendering its legitimate authority under coronavirus, this is the act, actual text of this piece of legislation, this bill. Upon making a determination that the Russian Federation has used chemical, biological, or nuclear weapons in the conflict. The president is authorized, not Congress, which has the sole power to declare war. The president is authorized to use the armed forces of the United States as he de or she deems necessary to, one, protect the national security interests of the United States with respect to Ukraine, and two, assist in defending and restoring the territorial integrity of Ukraine. So basically... The person, the chief executive, the, the leader of the military, if he or she just makes this determination, boom, he gets to do or she gets to do whatever they want if this authorization becomes law. And again, do you want your kids being conscripted to go die for, quote, uh, defending and restoring the territorial integrity of Ukraine? My nephew just turned 18. I'd like to see him have a long, healthy, happy life working on all the engineering projects he wants to work on, not dying for, quote, the territorial integrity of Ukraine, more than willing to fight. I'm an old man. I'll go out and fight for the United States. But to send American young men and women off to die for the territorial integrity of Ukraine, I'll take a hard pass on that. Well, it's a pre-authorization approval is what it is. It's like, oh, you're pre-approved for $5,000, $10,000 for a credit card to do whatever the heck you want to do with it. This is what a Republican is proposing for a president that has maybe less than 30% approval rating at this point. So that makes no sense. Uh, how could that be a Republican? And the great enabling that goes on from conservatives and Republicans alike, and we just can't have that. I mean, if we're not going to hold the line for this and i'm glad that this is being held up and it obviously i should have been a little bit more clear uh yes this is not passed yet but just the fact that it's introduced is part of that mentality that warlike mentality that we get from politicians who go to washington who don't have you know or any collective skin in the game i mean our gold star mothers our gold star families uh, that are out there the, the types of people you know who are literally enlisted in the military who are officers in the military people who uh have generational military service you know i think the idea would be to ask these people truly is this the right move that we want to make at this time is this the right war and for what reason do we even know what we're fighting for i think this starts to beg the question on a really practical personal level folks not from a foreign policy standpoint we already got that down we know that it's wrong we know that the money is wrong we know you know we've had this uh, conversation with regard to um university of chicago professor uh, professor it starts with an m what is his name Mearsheimer, and we know geopolitically how that plays out. I mean, you have Jeffrey Sachs, who is now coming. Does anybody know who Jeffrey Sachs is? 
Jeffrey Sachs would tell you that. Oh yeah, I love my Harvard liberals. Love all the this this guy has literally listened to Professor Mus. He must have or Mearsheimer because he he and Mearsheimer have the exact same outlook on this. Uh, if you wouldn't mind reading that very quickly, Dow, the part on where Jeffrey uh, Sachs he's got two quick outlines on what this is going to look like. So we've got the cerebral heady foreign policy geopolitical look at it then we have our practical sensible how should we approach this if if is this really where our blood is best spilt uh fighting for the ukraine uh and for a leader uh that has a very corrupt country and also plays the piano with his penis sorry i i don't think that could be said often enough uh dowd sack said yeah, I mean, Jeffrey Sachs, as you said, Eddie, I mean, this is a guy, an international economist, way to the left. Uh, I consider him to be wrong on just about everything, but we will make common ground with people where we can when it comes to smart policy. Uh, he's associated with Columbia University, as elitist, as as mainstream you know, uh, uh, establishment as you can get. All of Biden's tough talk about Putin leaving power, genocide and war crimes will not save Ukraine. The best chance to save Ukraine is through negotiations to bring the world on side. By prioritizing peace instead of NATO enlargement, the U.S. would rally the support of much more of the world and thereby help to bring peace to Ukraine and security and stability for the entire world. I can't believe I'm saying it, Eddie, but Jeffrey Sachs is absolutely right. Sorry about that. I had my mic off. Absolutely right. 110% right. We'll take a quick break. We're going to bring it back for more of this uh, conversation. I hope that we're making these strong arguments so that you understand where the money is being spent, where uh, it could potentially be going, why the rhinos are wrong on this, as are most Republicans, and why we don't need to be saving the Ukraine uh, at this point. 550-5500. That's 550-5500. Become a part of the Rock of Talk chat blast in the morning, uh, plus the review on the shows and then the articles that are released today we'll get to the article that was released a little bit earlier we've been on substack for more than two years now i believe and uh, as confucius say to give oneself earnestly to the duties due to men and while respecting spiritual beings to keep aloof from them may be called wisdom and certainly a little bit of wisdom coming out every single morning at 4 a.m from dow to 3000 back here in four thanks for listening 550 5500. That's 550 5500. You're listening to AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM.
the great Benny King right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 FM. Yep. Back in 1960, Benny King left the Drifters and signed a solo contract with Arco Records. Uh, D-Dowd Muska, that was very, very cool. You'd have got that in the blast this morning. Of course, the very uh, best song I think that he's most well-known for is that very song, Stand By Me. This magic moment, was that a Drifter song? I believe uh, this so. Met- okay, there we go. Good job, Eric, uh, on handling the boards uh, today. And then, I, think, and then- uh, I think Stand By Me actually charted again in the 1980s when the mo- when the Stephen King movie came out. After all those years, it came back and made it back onto the Hot 100. Hey, dog training show this uh, weekend, past weekend, with uh, Jeffrey Candelaria. Sick balls, choppy. Sick balls, choppy. Uh, there's, uh, the 10, 11-year-olds have never had a better chi- uh, time looking for uh, a dead body. And then, of course, you had Kiefer Sutherland and his uh, ragtag group of people who were, or friends who were uh, swinging baseball bats against mailboxes. Uh, let me just uh, go ahead and say to yourself, uh, that's something that you never want to try in real life. Uh, and if you want to go ahead and lose your arms a great way to do it is to take a baseball bat uh, whether moving or standing still uh, that was a special effect uh, many a person has uh, gotten drunk probably in the middle of the night and attempted that never myself of course uh, a true story uh, so smash pumpkins than mailboxes <laughs> yeah certainly that and then of course the first song coming out mad world which is a great song by tears for fears i think their best probably the least played of their quote-unquote hits um, that's out there 550 50 500 lots of people texting in uh saying Hi, uh, directly from Odenton, Maryland, where I'm uh, visiting with some good people here and getting into some good conversations. And uh, so say greetings to people in New York, Washington, D.C., and right here in Odenton, Maryland, who are listening today. So I'm glad that you guys are enjoying the show. Uh, Eddie, that trip to the Ukraine. Some quick text for you before we talk about the media's culpability in all this. That trip to Ukraine was a non-bipartisan event, which will be turned into a political scheme by the Dems to create a bill with support to Ukraine. And also the uh, Green New Deal or COVID money. Well, that's exactly what's happening. If Republicans don't support the bill, the Dems will shame the Republicans just in time for the 2022 election. Republicans don't need to be shamed for it. You've got some rhinos who are willing to go ahead and leap to the other side. And when the margins are that close, when the numbers are that close, you only need a couple of them. And Kinzinger's uh, leading the charge on that. It's just one of their tricks going forward, Eddie, in this election. The time to save Ukraine was before the war started, which Biden was too incompetent to do. Trump would have stopped this war. Yeah, it prevented from happening altogether. Nipped it in the bud. The Dems are simply manipulators and are complete and total liars. So I uh, couldn't agree uh, more with that. i to learn how to uh, work my left hand uh, here. Oh, I appreciate that. That's very nice. You guys are so nice. Uh, Kitts is laying the ground for a false flag operation. Uh, we could certainly get into that type of thing, especially you guys who listen to Clyde Lewis uh, in the morning. He is good. He is good. And I'm, I've met with a lot of the people who know Clyde. Uh, he does good work. Highly produced show. Show has never been on the correct side of anything. Uh, that is for sure. I think we can agree with that. Uh, Eddie, I think Putin now was thinking he had a good opportunity to invade Ukraine with the new president of Ukraine being an experienced leader. And then the Biden factor plays in as well. I think the best thing to send Putin is a message is to appeal to the law that the United States has on the books that they will not assassinate and kill a leader from another country. Uh, interesting. I'm not saying the United States should go kill Putin, but by removing that law with expe- expe- 
expediting speed that would scare the hell out of Putin and bring him to the negotiating table faster. Let me tell you, uh, that's a kind of an ignorant comment uh, from top to bottom. I don't think that you know what you're talking about uh, with regard to that. You're not going to negotiate uh, with Putin anymore. That time has passed. And when you send uh, the third most powerful person in the United States, Nancy Pelosi, who herself is uh, senile. I mean, when you say that man is senile, you know who you're talking about. There's only one person. When you say that woman is senile, you know there's only one woman you're talking about. Those two people are leading this country and, quote-unquote, leading uh, the charge. Uh, Dave checks in. It was John Hanoi McCain, along with Obama's stooge Valerie Nuland, that was went to the Ukraine in 2013 and destabilized a duly elected president who was at yep. peace with Russia. Yep. Where's that chicken vidman now? Why don't he go fight? Any Congress rat that wants to fight the Russians needs to lead the way and sign up. Kissinger is signaling a CIA bot and paid for false flag. He's a coward and a traitor like the rest of these politicians. We have to hold them accountable because your conservative media isn't doing it. They're jumping in right into this uh, in, into this well. Please look into this journalist in the Ukraine. We're going to do that. He is an independent and risking his life to report the news and interview all the locals while they are being bombed. Patrick Lancaster on YouTube and other places for the time being. Patrick Lancaster, if you look that up, doubt. It is real news and heartbreaking what the Ukrainian soldiers are doing to their own people not the Russians. And uh, finally, Eddie, I was looking forward to taking some courses and applying for employment. You and him just found out I have to be fully vaccinated and show proof. That is true. That is true. Now I can't do either. Gestapo still reigns in the state of New Mexico. You need to start realizing that the, uh, that the state of New Mexico is just a front for the federal government for them to try out everything that they want to try out. We see the very first things. Oh, that's true, Eddie. Yes, because uh, I disagreed with you. I'm not going to agree with you. And Rumble, get off of it. Heard an interesting discussion on Russia and Ukraine on Virgin, most powerful radio. And they talked about elements of the occult of witchcraft that is practiced in the Ukraine. It's also one of the highest abortion rates in Europe. 550-50-500. Dow, let's jump into how worthless and culpable the media is in all of this. Um, quite a bit. Uh, Jen Psaki uh, can't be held accountable. She can evade. Did she picks on who she needs to? And uh, what's inevitably going to happen to the United States is when you have, as, as we know, when, when the media dies, everything else dies right after it. When you don't have journalists actually doing their job, it's more important than a doctor. It's more important than an attorney. It's more important than anything. A journalist's job is to hold the fourth, it's the fourth estate, is to hold their feet to the fire. And they're doing anything but. The Ukraine, oh, where are the body bags? Give me a body. Show me the mass graves, folks. Show me where any of this stuff is happening. Has anybody been able to produce anything at this point? Am I the conspiracy theorist here? Am I the wrong guy in any of this? I'm the first one. Yeah, there you go. I'm glad he, he saw that I was all on the uh he doesn't need to worry network tv is full of talking heads making the argument for more arms it doesn't matter who it is and let's just talk about where the ukraine is lying down because this is most interesting the uh, what was my call on the ghost of kiev right from the beginning what was my call on the other stuff right from the beginning when it came to the mass graves of the island who, who these are, are all are very much yes. alive <laughs> Uh, Dowd, uh, uh, let's find out all the lies from the Ukrainian people as they continue to uh, sell the war to the rest of the world. 
Well, officially, the the I guess the Twitter account, uh, an official Twitter account of the government of Ukraine over the weekend, and it was convenient over the weekend when people in the West aren't necessarily paying a lot of attention. Oh, uh, by the way, that whole ghost of Kiev, the guy flying around shooting down half the Russian Air Force. Oh, that's a myth. Uh, several, uh, this is New York Post, several news outlets were identifying the legendary mysterious hero as a 29-year-old who had recently died in battle uh, with the Russians. The military officials, official military officials in the Ukraine acknowledged on Saturday, quote, the ghost of Kiev is a superhero legend whose character was created by Ukrainians. Okay. Uh, he does not, he's not an actual person. He's sort of the spirit of Ukraine. Uh, and as Eddie said, I mean, this, it, it smelled wrong from the beginning, just like those loyal defenders of that Island in the black sea who said bleep you to Russia. And they were all wiped out. I remember the minute that happened, I thought this, this, this smells a little fishy. And over the weekend, conveniently enough, over the weekend, Zelensky, how do you know Zelensky can't be trusted? You know, what he says can't be trusted. His lips are moving. He admitted that he was kind of gilding the lily when it came to uh, the latest mass grave. Uh, Eddie, there was a great uh, video on BitChute where someone went out and did some of the citizen journalism. They went out to this location where there were supposed to be all kinds of bodies, and she met up with guys who were professional grave diggers for this ceremony and putting uh, for the cemetery burying people. They said, "There's not hundreds and hundreds of bodies here. This is what we do. This is a cemetery. We dig graves." Uh, Zelensky said that there was a brand new uh, mass grave discovered what with 900 more civilians, and then his own yeah. government, his mm -hmm. own government, came out and said, "Oh, uh, a short time after afterwards, the, the uh, his spokesman came out and said, oh no, 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 we, he misspoke. He misspoke.'" You know, I think a lot of spokespeople for uh, Joe Biden are used to saying, oh, the president mm -hmm. misspoke. The president misspoke. He said that's a total of 900 bodies have been discovered in all of the mass graves. So oh, he's sticking, he's sticking wow. with the mass grave phenomenon, but he's kind of fudging the numbers a little bit. Uh, Eddie, I, I wish we could be getting good information out of this war zone. I, I don't trust Russian propaganda either. I'm not limiting myself to the Ukrainian government. We are not getting good info. I don't trust any of it, Eddie, and I don't think anyone else should either. I believe, I believe when we first started this whole endeavor, I think the very first thing out of my mouth was, "What's the first casualty of war?" Now that we've had a uh, an American casualty uh, on the ground of a volunteer, no less. Okay, we decided to go ahead and sacrifice. Chicago police officer has uh, decided to go ahead and volunteer himself. Probably hundreds, if not thousands, of others are contemplating doing the very same things. We're not anti-American for not wanting to to go to war, folks. I think you need to understand that wanting to go to war is very anti-American thing to do, in my opinion. Why do we feel like being part of America is defending the rights of all the other countries around the world? That makes no sense to me, particularly when we're in the predicament that we're in here in the United States of America financially and the cost of this entire thing. And when we went, we put it in perspective. So, again, you have the the cerebral argument, the foreign policy worldview argument We've made those. Those are done. Now we've got the practical investment side from the armed forces, gold star mothers, gold star families, people who have invested generational. We've made those arguments. Now we're getting into, well, where do we go from here? Do we actually uh, getting good information? And maybe Eddie and Dowd are wrong and maybe other people who are against the wrong, uh, war are wrong and all this. And then we start to find out that this is all propaganda, that there's not a 9,000 person grave. There's not even 900 people in a grave. I, I asked somebody today, I said, can you please show me where the photos are for the graves and immediately it's like yeah i've got pictures of them where 
Dowd, uh, to today I have you on the task of looking for that stuff every single day. I hate to have to call you know people to to the carpet on this, but the whole thing, top to bottom, is propaganda. There's no other thing that it can be at this point, and you have to stop supporting it. You have to stop. Uh, oh, look, a, a very a, a, one of the guys just texted me just now. Our children don't need to be sacrificed for this BS. That guy, if I go back to one of his text messages. And he knows who he is because he just texted me. He says, this is, it says, world's greatest, this back on March 14th, world's greatest Navy. This whole thing also shows how weak Russia actually is. We need to stay out, period. Okay. Before that, he was talking about, well, Ukraine is kicking Russian butt. It's not all propaganda. He said on March the 9th. March the 9th. He's like, oh, yeah, we got to get in. We got to get help Ukraine. We got to help Russia. And now he's saying our children don't need to be sacrificed for all this BS. This is where we need to get all of you. This is somebody who, who is a gold, comes from a gold star family who has children that are serving in the military, folks. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And if your politicians aren't going to lead you, you know, Ben Ray Lujan isn't going to go ahead and stack up and shack up and ready to go ahead and go across. You know, Martin Heinrich isn't going to do it, but they'll vote for that war every day of the week that ends in Y. 550, 5500. That's 550, 5500. Uh, Eddie, nicely done. Keep it up. Check out uh, Salty's meme. I don't know what that is. Not to participate in foreign entanglements. That is in our constitution. Uh, Dowd, maybe you could. Show us where that might be. Uh, uh, let's see. Washington warning. I would. Say. I don't think it's in the Constitution, but Washington warned us about those okay. angling alliances. And Eddie, just a final point about these people volunteering. Sure. I don't question your right, your freedom as a man or a woman uh, of legal age to go fight. You can go fight in Yemen. You can go fight to overthrow the North Korea Maoist monarchy if you want. I'm not questioning your freedom to do that. I'm questioning your judgment. When so many of these people, and there was a profile up in the Four Corners, our, our beloved Four Corners area here in the American Southwest, Eddie, of a guy who had a wife and children who was going over to the battle zone to fight. And, you know, you have a spouse, you have kids, you have brothers and sisters, and your parents are still alive. You have a life here. You maybe have a job and you're running a small business, but you're being fueled by what appears to be some really unreliable and sometimes out, out and out crazy propaganda to go over and do and virtue signal with your life. Uh, I was talking to a man who was a Marine Corps veteran. You know what they say? There's no such thing as a, as an ex Marine uh, earlier today. And he said, you know, a lot of these, a lot of these Rambo types are going to go over. They're going to, they're going to find out that combat is not like call of duty. Real people die, brain matter, Bingo. blood, yep. Yep. PTSD, horrible, horrible stuff. So I don't, I'm, right. a libertarian. I'm a libertarian. If you want to go anywhere in the world and do whatever you want and face the consequences, you're free to do that. But I am questioning the judgment of people who have obligations and commitments here at home because they're hopped up on a lot of online virtue signaling and Zelensky propaganda could to go do something. I think most of you are really going to regret down the road. Absolutely. Well, if they don't already regret it and they're just trying to figure out a way to cover it up, so many politicians do that. Eddie, keep speaking the truth, brother. Some are listening. Hope that continues to grow. It is, and it's growing. And uh, we know, we know the people who listen and who like us. And we also know the people who are rainy uh, day people as well. You know, Bob Dylan sang about it. And uh, well, there's a lot of rainy day people who are out there. Oh, I'd love to get behind you, Eddie. You're running for mayor. Oh, you want to change the Republican Party? And, you know, I keep speaking the truth and they can't bear to hear it anymore. 
truth is not something that you want to hear all the time. Once in a while, you want to go ahead and rest, and I get it. And if you need to go ahead and bail, and I'm I'm good with that too. But uh, you guys all end up coming back, and a lot of you guys like the things that we uh, that we talk about, and we keep up the intensity. Let the politicians pick up weapons themselves and send their kids first. Oh, we have always been advocates uh, for that. I, I think that's the best thing. And our children do not need to be sacrificed. Eddie, we're non-interventionists. That's good. I don't think that we should be intervening in any of this stuff at this point. You would all agree with that. Um, and I think we should continue uh, pushing that part. Eddie, go. Go to the Duran on YouTube. The truth. I don't know what the Duran is, but apparently uh, some some website. Uh, everyone's Zelensky Network. Here, this, is, this is it. Here it is. Someone just sent something that went through my brain. I don't even know if this is verifiable. Zelensky net worth is now 596 million rich lifestyle Ukraine president. What has that man done to earn that amount of money? Yeah, my phone gets pictures. I'm reading your, I literally read your text as, as you, uh, as you texted me yet again. And uh, just kind of amazing stuff. 550, 50, 500. That's 550, 500. We got a lot uh, here set up for uh, hour number two, uh, D Dowd Muska. You've got your um, write up uh, from earlier today. What's that about? I did not catch that. Do you have time to, to catch up on that? Yeah, just uh, quickly, it's about uh, the free daycare. For homes that make as much as $111,000, uh, you, you, the taxpayer, will be subsidizing those families' daycare, according to our new our, our governor, her new announcement late last week. Uh, she is delighted about this. Uh, it's kind of a deep dive, Eddie, which I know I, I, I'm trying to limit my deep dives, but when it comes to the impact of daycare on kids, it's very, very complicated. And I just sort of walk people through the research on it and why more kids at younger ages spending more time in daycare is really not something to celebrate in New Mexico, a state that consistently ranks 50th or 49th on child well-being. The governor loves this. It suits her feminism. It suits her big government views. It maybe buy some votes for her, but it's not really good for kids. And we can get into that in the next hour. Yeah, we should we should definitely do that. And Dowd, I want to say one thing. I got a message from Northern New Mexico today. Um, this is really something. I got pictures, as you can see right there. If you guys can see that, that's what it looks like right now in northern New Mexico. As you can, yep. you can see that um, the state has not given even a drink of water. They say to Mora, they call her office and get an answering machine. The only thing they have is a place in Las Vegas where people are donating to, uh, folks. The people that are suffering up in uh, northern New Mexico are getting no help from the governor whatsoever. Um, according to uh, sources that are up there. Love to hear from you on any of that if you guys have any information uh, as well. Let's hit the top of the hour news right here in the Kiva on AM1600 KIVA, abq.fm, rockoftalk.com. Uh, when uh, we return, we should talk about public transportation hour two, uh, my visits uh, throughout uh, D.C., and then uh, student loan forgiveness as well as Abercrombie and Fitch, uh, D. Dowd Muska, a Netflix documentary, uh, one in which uh, Anglophiles and uh, Anglos in general, let's just say uh, white people, uh, are completely and totally demonized. Uh, you will uh, love my commentary on that. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hour two, just for you, up next. Yeah. 
Albuquerque's macro aggression. 505 in the 505. I am Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Hour two coming at you, not from the ABQ, but from DC, actually in Odington, Maryland, here this afternoon. Glad to be with you on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV, podcasting on Sister SoundCloud and Spotify. Why not download our apps for free? And that would be on rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. Or how about paying a little bit of money to my good friend Dowd here and uh, become a subscriber and do a show, show him a little do re mi fa so over at uh, rockoftalk.chat hour two. Uh, we covered a lot of good ground in the Ukraine. Really played a little bit of catch up. As you can see, there's no real reason to get too involved in the details of the, the day-to-days if you will of what's going on in Ukraine. I mean, it's really just wasted energy as far as I'm concerned. I'll follow up with a, a few more texts uh, as well. I certainly hope that the delay is on. I believe we have a couple of callers uh, holding, I guess, to kick off uh, our number two. Uh, go ahead, caller. You are in the Kiva. Thanks for calling. Hello. All right. Hang that up, please. I, I don't want to take any more calls. Yeah. No, it's just shut up. All right. Just quiet that off. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> it's literally just a show interruption uh, and it's done by the same guy and it's there just to break the flow uh, of the show uh, as it were. All right, Dowd, uh, thank God we're getting some some new equipment to kind of filter some of that stuff out uh, as well. Dowd, uh, we've got to get into all the the rest of the uh, items, which includes this uh, propaganda war pieces that continue to come out. Let me let me get some more reaction before we get a little bit too far. First, the Dems lock you down, scare you into wearing masks, take away your jobs, cause small businesses to have and to close, and then they set you up for becoming socialists. It's even more complicated than even this, Eddie because it's generational indoctrination at this point. We live in a small and evil state because of socialism, and a few New Mexicans ever learned the great wealth of living in Texas, Arizona, Oklahoma, and, of course, Florida. There it is. Um, That's a good text. Uh, This one coming in from the 505. Here's a great example, Eddie, of Ukraine propaganda. Look at the staged photo of baby strollers used to prey on people's emotions. For the kids, when you're in the middle of war, you don't take the time to find and methodically place this many baby strollers for a photo op. In the pictures and video footage of Ukraine, parents fleeing with their children, they carried their babies. I didn't see any strollers whatsoever. And there is the uh, uh, from NPR.org. 109, 109 empty strollers. Interesting numbers there. The one and the nine there. 109 empty strollers sit in. It is Lviv, uh, Leave Square, representing children killed in the war. There it is. Those warmongers, the Russians. Hey, Eddie, what happened to your podcast for Good Friday? People wanted to hear the venom, I think. Is that, is that what we're looking for? Okay. Um, let's see. Eddie. Why do they vote for Michelle Lujan Grisham when she's letting them burn up north? Uh, Zelensky apparently owns a multi-million, whoa, sorry about that, owns a multi-million dollar estate in Florida. I don't know if that's uh, even verifiable, but yeah, that would be very interesting. Is he an um, oligarch? 
<laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, there you go. So that's all, all the stuff. Uh, that's it. Uh, no more tech or no more calls because I can't control the calls and I have a better reaction when I'm there. And thanks to the people in uh, both New York and D.C. and Maryland today who are uh, listening. Um, student loan forgiveness doubt. We're talking about $1.8 trillion of student loan forgiveness. I can't imagine why we're doing this. I don't know how we are getting to this point. And my first question is, for all the people who paid for their education, do you get a refund? For the families that are paying for education and you no longer get a tax credit, what do you think about this uh, student loan forgiveness? And is this just a way of buying votes? Now, Nancy Pelosi, of all people, Nancy Pelosi isn't on board with student loan forgiveness. Seems to me that she's far more familiar with the budget of the United States than uh, Joe Biden is. This is going to be a disastrous move for Joe Biden because I think a lot of people aren't going to feel like uh, this is very fair or very honest. And then what does it do to the value of educational institutions? Um, you no doubt have been exploring for many of you who are soon to be empty nesters the unbelievable cost for going to college. Should that mean that the federal government should pay and pick, pick that up? How many of you guys stayed home? Did you actually need your degrees to go ahead and get the job? Aren't we in an information society where it's more about what you know, not necessarily you know how many years you've been in college or whether or not you've got your degree? I think degrees, so many of them are underutilized, if utilized at all. As we all know that many people seeking to stay in school to get even more school. What is eligible for student loan forgiveness? Would you have to be employed in your field of service to get the money back? Like these are important and very practical questions. Can you imagine just handing out the money willy nilly because somebody was able to get educational attainment? And would you as a taxpayer, be willing to refund the money to any and all people who just went to college, whether it be for three hours or a hundred, and they're a professional student with 200 hours and never getting a degree. If you didn't get a degree, what is the qualification for that? I think there's so many questions to be answered because just on the surface of it, oh, he's going to forgive college loans. This is no different than what your governor has done by making education completely for free in the state of New Mexico, a college education. The state of New Mexico has how many uh, uh, university institutions, college and upper end? D. Dowd Muska himself identified 77 different entry points, as did the New Mexico state legislature, for higher education. If there's anything that we know about the state of New Mexico is it doesn't give a damn about education, but it certainly gives a damn about who it votes for every single time. And they know to get people to vote for Democrats every single time. All you have to do is say, hey, look at the children over here and it's for the children and here's some education. So Dowd, I don't know how um, adept you are at sort of carving out some of the details of Joe Biden's forgiveness plan, but on first pass, it's very similar. And this is where the Republicans can capitalize on it. I think we need to have a bigger conversation about charter schools about money following the student, because the way I see it, if the federal government's willing to go ahead and make a commitment to go ahead and give this, this loan forgiveness, I think this is the right time for, whether it be Mark Ronchetti or Rebecca Dow, to go ahead and ante up to the table and start talking about you know, this conversation 
about the money following the children and charter schools and true independence in education. We know that education has been a failure, and this would be a time to sort of jump in. Now, we do know that the folks in Santa Fe, as I've indicated to other gubernatorial candidates, are already off the charts. They're not sending their kids to public, the Santa Fe public school system. They're not doing it. They'd rather spend the money to send their children to private and parochial institutions. I don't even know if there's a parochial institution beyond St. Mike's, but there probably is a, a couple that are, that are there. So, Dowd, uh, what do we know about the details of the Joe Biden uh, trillion-dollar loan forgiveness? And is it even achievable? And I don't expect you to comment on the political calculus of all this, but I think it just goes without saying at this point that this is what the Democrats do in any election year or to get reelected. Michelle Lujan Grisham uh, certainly knew this when she was passing the free education during last year's legislature. Yeah, I mean, when people... Free market policy analysts look at something like this, Eddie, and we just have to shake our, our heads. There's a great economist named Thomas Hazlett who has a wonderful quote. I haven't put it in the Daily Blast yet about uh, it's it's one-stop public policy shopping. The people who create the problem also sell you the solution. We got to look back a little at this. In the 60s, well, even late 50s around Sputnik, when the Fed started getting heavily involved in education, K through 12, but also college level education, because there was this panic over the United States is falling behind and, the, you know, those brilliant Soviets and their great system they have over there. They're just going to lay us to waste Their Their economy is firing on all cylinders and America is going to fall behind. Every credible study I've ever looked at uh, has a strong correlation between massive federal subsidization of higher ed. So you're talking about low, in, you know, loan guarantees, low interest loans, or just out and out grants and the rise in tuition. So how did we get to a point where there's a trillion dollars in outstanding higher education loans in America? It's you know unthinkable 30 or 40 years ago. We got there because as the spigots opened up in Washington, colleges learned, hey, we can hike our tuition with all that fresh money coming in. So it's the height of hypocrisy for the people who are endorsing, you know, the AOC types to be endorsing forgiveness when your, we've been following your policy playbook, which has created the crisis to begin with. So it's, you know, it's great. It's great. It must be great to sit on both sides of the table there. You know, we, we create this nightmare and then we go on the other side of the table and we take credit for solving it by writing all this debt off. Um, only in America in 2022 can this level of, of cluelessness and hypocrisy take hold, Eddie. And I guess we, uh, we on the uh, on the fiscal conservative side, we are fighting a, a losing war against just common, you know, for, fighting for common sense to explain to people what were the conditions that created the situation that we're now in. So very, very frustrating. Yeah, tenured professors have never had it better and easier and uh, never had to go to school less. Uh, the Zooming and all the various uh, virtual uh yeah, I, I think have cheapened the education. So I'm not surprised that the Democrats are doing that. And Dowd, I wholeheartedly agree with your rant and reply to, to mine. By the way, it's $1.7 trillion, not $1.8 trillion. Yeah, yeah, just, just it's not quite a hundred billion less. Uh, Bernie Sanders has called for a total student loan cancellation. Remember, he was running on this, and he was going from campus to campus to campus, and likely your children, despite the fact that you're paying for their education. We're at that. Uh, uh, we're at that rally, <laughs> and supporting Bernie Sanders. Uh, do you think they were trying to get it off easy for you? No, they were trying to do the good, uh, cool thing and be they're like, "No, nah, no, nah, ma, I still need for you to pay my for, for my food and my tuition." Okay, here's who's going to qualify. This, according to Forbes, they'd probably likely have done the the best uh, sort of cost 
uh, and breakdown analysis that can be seen. Uh, he will limit student loan forgiveness to federal student loans. So it's not entirely all the student loans, so just oh. federal student loans. So it would include direct loans and other federal student loans that the federal government owns, only federal government. So, you know, when you're 30, nearly $31 trillion in debt, you know what you do? You start forgiving the people that uh, owe you money. I mean, are we a step away from people, you know, these ridiculous people say, oh, we don't have to pay our taxes, the 16th Amendment. You might as well say that at this point. I mean, what's the, is there any real difference? Eddie, I'll give you, I'll, I'll concede one point. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if, if we're willing to take the $33 billion that they were going to give to Zelensky and forgive loans uh, for Americans, I'll, I'll take that, dude. <laughs> okay. The federal government doesn't own any private loans, everybody knows, but they're based on private contracts that are owned by financial institutions where you likely got many of that kind of stuff, but he won't cancel all the student loan debt. All right. Point two off of this student loan bars with college student loans so anybody who has a current college student loan he may differentiate between college student loans and graduate student loans okay so here we go biden could limit student loan cancellation to only college student loans only and not to advanced degrees will that happen i think this would probably be uh more more and more likely uh the case uh, graduate school Loans comp comprise approximately, get this, half of all student loan debt. So you have that professional student who doesn't want to work, who just wants right. to get a good GMAT score, it's barely passable, smoke some pot and act like he has an advanced degree so he can turn around and say, that a-hole can turn around and say, hey, I'm smarter than you. Well, you're paying for that. Sorry, can't help it. All right, uh, student loan borrowers who earn a certain income. Here we go. If Biden cancels student loans, Biden will limit the student loan cancellation by imposing an income threshold. Oh, well, you can pay for it. Why can't they all pay for it? After, after all, how many people who would have gender equity studies loans, whether or not you think that should be forgiven, the type of loan that you have? Uh, I don't know exactly what the going rate for salary is for uh, someone who majored in gender equity studies or, I don't know, you take your name of... Yeah, things like that. Um, Elizabeth Warren and Chuck Schumer have proposed limiting wide-scale student loan forgiveness to student loan borrowers who earn only up to $125,000 annually. So now you're telling me if you work harder, you do more, and you get qualified, that you should be punished for your success? How does that make any sense? So the people who make more money by virtue of the fact that they make more money don't need the student loan forgiveness? Those are the people that I would give it to first. Why? They're the first people who are going to reinvest that money that they save off of that and probably do something else with it. I don't care They're if it's buying more homes. They pay a lot of taxes, too. If they make exactly. Exactly. Biden uh, administrators reportedly, reportedly considering an annual income cap of 125 to 150 for individuals and 250 to 300 for joint filers. Uh, what do you say to the people who make that much money and can't write off the student loans off of the Remember, it's that you're not getting any kind of write-offs anymore for sending your kids to college. Did you know that? Is anybody aware of that? Um, so that's what you get. And finally, here's the next steps and all that. He's canceled already 17 billions as a, as a tryout, $17 billion worth of student loans. He could face potential legal challenges and from various states regarding his authority as president to cancel student loans, even federally, without further congressional author authorization. 
I, I know that one of the reasons why he's doing that is to make sure that his Democrats can get votes in this year's uh, uh, 2022 midterm elections. There's no guarantee that Biden will cancel your student loans or that all of your student loans will be canceled, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So I would just uh, go without, it goes without saying, proceed with caution. So in this time when we're, our economy is starting to go into the other direction, despite the fact that the market was up today, uh, I would be very careful and tread lightly when it comes to, you know, taking out thinking that uh, your loan is going to be forgiven given if you're sitting on 20 to a hundred thousand dollars worth of loan forgiveness i'll tell you the the loans that should be forgiven by the way is every single doctor that's out there any doctor that has a loan okay and that that's out there you'd say like eddie that doesn't make any sense they're the first people who should actually pay i don't think that anybody who attains or becomes a medical doctor at the end of the day, given the amount of uh, hours they need to work and how much we need them, and that they're all about this free socialized health care, why is it that any doctor is having to pay for their ability to go ahead and uh, pay back? Because many of these doctors stay in debt forever, as uh, many people know. And I'll just, I'll just say this. Uh, the other thing about doctors that's also very interesting that, that, that the federal government doesn't acknowledge is we know that there's now physician assistants, and we now know that there's nurse practitioners, which are two competing classes who oftentimes don't have to spend that kind of money yet get paid the very exact same as many doctors often do. And I don't think that that's very fair. So if you're going to be fair about it, you need to penalize yeah, I mean, you need to uh, make it equal for the people on top as you do on the bottom. And uh, all their money is good, whether you're making $5 or $50,000, it should all be the same. Uh, it should not be regressive, and that's exactly what this would end up being, punishing people for their success. You should keep it something that is flat and that everybody who gets a four-year degree, if you were to even uh, entertain such a thing, um, I think they should automatically get it. And anybody who has a trade school, if you're going to go ahead and do it, I think those are the very first people. If you have a trade and you're employed in that trade, uh, how about these people who decided to go ahead and get in, into the workforce? After all, isn't that the purpose of college to begin with, to go out and get a job? I can't tell you the number of people who went out and got a trade, my father included, right? And the very first thing that they did is they went out and got a job, made money, bought a house, built a family, and that that's what this country needs. Not guys who are getting their graduate degrees, taking multiple GMATs and telling you about how much they know about the world because they have a couple of MAs and PhDs after their name. 550-5500. That's 550-5500. That's the real world, folks. I'm sorry you have to live in it, but that's the way that uh, this country pays its bills. And it doesn't pay its, uh, pay its bills with some slacker in his mid-30s uh, deciding to get additional degrees and uh, then getting the federal government to pay for it. Your thoughts, doubt. Well, there's a, uh, a sociologist, a uh, very controversial uh, libertarian sociologist named uh, Charles Murray. And a number of years ago, he started a crusade to reduce the number of people going to college in America. And I think it's been a, a wonderful attempt on his part. And what, one of the things he focused on was how many people drop out of college. They go to, co they go to higher education unprepared for university college level work because they went to cruddy high schools. And they don't have the, the wiring to do higher education. They'd be much better off starting a business like Peter Thiel has, has funded some people to start their own businesses out of high school. They'd be much better off in the trades. And what Murray said was, when you look at these statistics, and some, some colleges have an over 
dropout rate, a, a six-year completion rate of only half, meaning you know, close to half or more of the kids actually don't get their degree in six years, much less four. He said, you're, t- you're telling a young person in the first challenge of their life, of their adult life, that you're a failure. You're sending them off unprepared because they're, they don't have the temperament the IQ, whatever it is, they just don't have, they're not college material. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It means they should be doing something else with their life. And I always remembered that because my my roommate, who I was friends with for years, freshman year, he lasted one year at university. Uh, he went, ended up being a firefighter in Rochester, New York, which I think there was some maybe a two-year degree or some kind of certification thing there. Uh, he should never have been sent off to college. It wasn't for him. And how many other millions of young Americans go off to college when it's not for them? And as Charles Murray says, you're teaching them the first challenge of their young life. They're not up to the challenge. And what, what kind of impact does that have on psyche, on their psyches? And, of course, some of them end up leaving with debt for a degree they never got. Uh, this everyone goes to college has been madness. It's been driven by federal subsidization. And uh, I, I can't see how forgiving over a trillion dollars in loans, Eddie, is going gonna, is gonna to right this ship. We've been going in the wrong direction for a long, long time. If you're a parent and your kids are approaching 18, don't automatically assume that college is right for them. There are so many other options for a good life. And Eddie, it, although it drives me crazy as someone who went to a very expensive school and graduated with loans, uh, I love to hear the guys who have gotten the trades. Uh, you, you'll hear them on the radio or they'll write something online and they'll say, I got my certification. I got out and started making $88 an hour with no student debt. And my life has been wonderful. We need more people like that in America. Well, let's not forget that we used to have something called the GI Bill. Well, we still do. Uh, you could go ahead and uh, pay for college that way. Uh, dedication to your 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 country. And then for those of you who are out there saving for college, when's the last time that you've actually heard about someone saving for college? Are parents disposing more of their income because they think that they don't need to go ahead and pay for it? And you parents out there, wouldn't it be better for you to go ahead and tell your kids since they don't want, know what they want to do with the rest of your life and they want to hang out with Matt Foley in the living room and live on a van bound by the river? As you know, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they don't know what they want to do the first couple of years uh, of their life that they're in there. And they don't know a career path unless you let them that way. The best degree that you can get in college is what? Does anybody know? A meteorology. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh, uh, we're a joker today. Oh, the Dow 3000 breaking out the jokes. No, the best degree that you can get is accounting. Period. Accounting is the best degree that you can get in in all and it's one of the most difficult one of the most difficult degrees that uh, you can get uh, as well. Take a quick break. We're going to talk about Amber Crombie and Fitch right here in the Kia uh and uh, it is a Netflix uh, docu-series uh, or a document a documentary that was out that I happened to catch last night, and it made me angry. Uh, I was incredibly angry. I'm not a Netflix subscriber. I decided to go ahead and pop it on, and I wasn't none too happy with it. So we'll talk about that when we return right here in the Kiva. AM 1600 KIV, ABQ.FM, back in.
everyone turns to see. Oh, the old cutting crew. Love that. Uh, boy, I can remember when that came out. What was it? Uh, 85? Uh, no, it was 87. I guess 85. I, I was off on that. I just died in your arms uh, tonight. Went to number one in the summer of 87. So pretty cool. I used to, was a big uh, MTV guy, as the rest of us were uh, at that well. Uh, so many uh, music television channels on Roku, uh, Roku TV, which is another reason why you want to go ahead and uh, download that. I guess we were off for a, for a second. Thanks for getting us back up and on board there, Eric. Wasn't sure what was going on there. Uh, back uh, on this day, I, is it Eric Clapton's birthday? Or we were playing a little bit of Eric Clapton. I'm not sure why we were doing that, but uh, maybe maybe Eric was sending out a dedication to his uh, to <laughs> to his the, to his girl uh, or something. The release of that song uh, was today in 1977. That oh, Eric, okay. Eric played for Eric, I guess. There you go, Eric on Eric. Uh, Skagney on Skagney. Okay, so the uh, Eric Clapton thing is kind of an interesting thing because I remember that that was re-released, if I'm not mistaken. Didn't that song come out again later on? I wanted to say like late 90s, early 2000s. I could have swore that Eric Clapton uh, replayed that and put that back out on there. Um, I want to say like... 2002 2003 got must have gotten re-released uh maybe, maybe i'm mistaken maybe uh i know that he was uh you know he had that tears in heaven one that he had for his lost son and i didn't realize what a scoundrel eric uh clapton was and then of course we know what layla was all about george harrison's uh, ex-wife uh, which became eric clapton's wife who he also uh decided to divorce was wonderful tonight re-released later on doubt uh, a lot of covers, apparently. Um, okay. R and uh, B group Damage. Michael Bublé has covered it. About a whole bunch of covers. What What hasn't uh, Michael Bublé uh, covered at, at this point? Hour three, you and me, the doubt makes three. Will be our top ten as well as the news of the day, but. Uh, I can't get away from this. So I'm not a Netflix guy. Don't like Netflix. Not a subscriber, but had the opportunity to watch something on Netflix about Amber Crombie and Fitch. And uh, it's called The Rise and Fall or The Fall of Amber Crombie, White Hot. Okay. Now, this is critical race theory for adults, folks. Uh, white guilt, all completely and totally enabled uh, within this, this show. Now, the way that it starts off... You know, the way that it sets out is you got all of the the pieces. You remember the Abercrombie catalogs, the setup, the merchandising, the types of, of merchandise that they had uh, right on down to your know, t-shirts. But as this film, quote unquote film, you know, sort of gets scripted into this white guilt, hate whites, uh, whites uh, are only successful because they're racist is essentially sort of like the main uh, communication point and all these people should be vilified. You have what's essentially a takedown of 
I think anything that is you call them Anglophiles, by the way, when you when you love white culture, that's what it's what, what it's called. OK, it's called Anglophiles. Um, and I think that's what this is. It's an attempt to go ahead and create this very same formula for everything else. And the thing that immediately jumped out at me is like, oh, wow. So why would anybody want to take this comp uh, this company down for what it's celebrating, which is, you know, it comes from a very traditional background. You know, they, they had a, a reputable name. Les Wexner was at the head, you know, Victoria's Secret, uh, Fame, you know, Limited, all those, you know, companies that came out. But this really was all about... Um, how anti-black and how anti-Asian, how anti-Hispanic and how anti-minority Amber Crombie was. And then you suddenly get pulled into this film as if you yourself, if you ever bought an article of clothing from Amber Crombie and Fitch, you are a racist. That's correct. You contributed to their success during their time, and you need to atone for the sins of ever owning an Abercrombie and Fitch article of clothing. Now, here are the players. They interview the models. So the models come in, you know, you're, you're not really quite, you don't really care. Okay, but they come in and they they sort of start the conversation about how fun and frilly and and great and awesome the clothes were and the culture. They had like an Abercrombie University where people would go to kind of get groomed into becoming an Abercrombie and Fitch thing. And then you had the people who work there and we loved it. We bought all the clothes and and, you know, there's impact people. And over here are the models that are out in front. And then you got the people who, well, we thought that there was something wrong with this company. And so we wanted to take a deeper look. And we started to look at the corporate hierarchy. And we noticed that they're all white. We noticed that they're all white. Meanwhile, you have this like huge upward trajectory of pretty much one of the most popular brands um, of children in their formative years, which is, and I do say children, 18 to 22 years of age. And they were the hottest brand that was around. It literally shaped culture. And then he turned into every single picture that you've ever taken in college that you ever tried to make look like Amber Crombie and Fitch. You should be this fraternity, you know, uh, a sorority culture that's out there. You should be ashamed for ever having him. Like, my God, literally the whole entire. There it is. Look at you raising your collar there, <laughs> D.W. Muska. This I come entire, from Connecticut, Eddie. I know there where you I go. speak. <laughs> this entire, this entire uh, criminalization of preppy culture about how these are just white people who just cannot be trusted. And it is an innate form of racism developed by Netflix and formulaic from top to bottom. And of course, you have the doctors who are a minority, and then you have the woke, you know, uh, white skin redhead like Jen Psaki on steroids come in and she's got to do her indictment and they're all just talking about one thing and one thing only how racist this country this company is and they have a responsibility to go ahead and you know since since they're in such a powerful position to not be so racist well okay so apparently in their handbook which isn't proven and they don't cite they cite that nobody with dreadlocks nobody with gold chains and then there was one line that literally just killed everything. It's like, this is as far as you can possibly go without saying the word, the N word by actually saying the word with every single bit of culture that you are. And I'm like, my gosh, you guys are figuring out ways to punish success. So 
immediately I start thinking about cultural appropriation. There's all sorts of white kids running around with Air Jordans now. There's all sorts of white kids that are buying Air Jordans. So if you have a bunch of black kids who are out there purchasing Abercrombie and Fitch stuff, do they call it a cult cultural appropriation? Do white kids turn around and 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 say, well, hey, we're cultural appropriating the, the Air Jordans? Like, when did this become such a racial thing? It became racial when they decided that they had to make it into something racial because they wanted to go ahead and change the public commentary on this. Nobody cares about who's wearing this, white black, Asian, Hispanic. They had an image to project, and there were people that they wanted to go ahead and sell to. Do you see white catalog? Do you see uh, uh, catalogs of FUBU or, you know, 5 or other brands like Yeezy or anything, you know, uh, 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 featuring anything but black people? And that's everyone's right to go ahead and feature who they want to feature. It is a free country, free of opinion, and you have a right to refuse service to anyone. You have a right to go ahead and acknowledge that you want to bring those people into your you know, circle for, for shaping your culture. And I don't know when we started having this conversation about who can invade who on what and to sell to whom. None of it is cultural appropriation. People can wear wherever they want to wear, however they want to wear it. And if you're a white person who decides that you want to buy Jordans, Okay, <laughs> that is not cultural appropriation. That's just you buying uh, Michael Jordans. Okay, and if you didn't want, as a black person, to want to buy uh, Abercrombie and Fitch, that's your de decision to go and do it. But to decide to go ahead and sue a company, right, and go ahead and take them down because you don't like the culture of which they're portraying, how about just ignoring them? How about just punishing them by not doing it? It is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. So watch this movie, and you'll come to the, the same conclusion. And you know, you got all, all these new positions that were created. And uh, what, what, what's that thing that we have for Albuquerque Police Department? Uh, the consent decree. Oh, well, there was a consent decree issued for um, Abercrombie and Fitch, and they totally changed their culture, and it destroyed their brand. Just like if you totally changed any of these other cultures of any of these other companies, it would change their brand of who they are. Nobody should be forced into specifically when it comes to the world of fashion or food or anything that has to do with taste should be forced into making a decision about who they should and should not include in any of this. Those are things that cross the line. When it comes to taste, it comes with culture. It comes with background. When you go to Italy, you don't go there to look for American food. You go to Italy to look for Italian food. Is someone, is someone suing Italy because they're not including their, their, a good quota of American people? In, in some of their restaurants? I mean, that's the, a similar argument. It just made me mad. And Eddie, I think it's I, something I, that you should watch. I, I think I am going to watch this. I do have access to, to Netflix, although I'm not exactly a fan of, of the service, especially how bad it's getting. Uh, I just looked up the filmmaker herself. Um, little Not, not going to really surprise anyone. Uh, grew up in Philadelphia. Graduated mm -hmm. from Brown University. Brown. Oh, there you go. Uh, she is, uh, has been a contributor to Frontline on PBS, National Public Radio, and the New York Times. Uh, she's won the Alfred DuPont Columbia Award, the Alliance of Women Film Journalists Award, and uh, a special jury prize at Sundance, the Spirit of Defiance Award. Uh, and I think with a background like that, Eddie, you can really expect her to uh, her next documentaries are going to be about uh, the black people murdered every weekend in Chicago. Uh, oh, no, she'll never do a documentary about that. How about the uh, epidemic of fatherlessness in our country? Oh, she'll never do a documentary about that either. <clears throat> 
self-loathing liberals are destroying this country. I, I hate to say it, but these people who are trying to, you know, and hate their own culture, hate the background, hate their daddy, hate the families, uh, hate their uh, privilege, if you will, if you want to go that far. If they've ever hated anything that they've ever received and they don't feel blessed and they feel like they've got it because of they're on the backs of somebody else, I can tell you all that. Now, let me tell you something that happened today, which is really interesting because I'm over at the um, at the metro station. So, I'm, you know, I had to get on and, you know, me, I talk to everybody and do it but you know my metro card wouldn't wouldn't activate in fact if it, see here we are at 746 local time uh here in uh, maryland you're in uh, five what 46 obviously and i go to my card and i say oh nope still waiting for my one day limited pass here we go you can see my one day limited pass still si sitting there pending and it wouldn't take my card there and so i reloaded it uh, there so i'm working with the, the train operator uh that's manning the station the train manager as i believe that her her name and she says well go stand right there i was having a, a phone conversation uh, because she's talking through a phone box that kind of spits out and i'm talking back into it and it's it's the one unit that's closest to the train manager now mind you there's nine other stations next to me there's 10 stations in all that if they got into a rush, there'd be a bunch of people to go and run through. And there was nobody there. It was just basically me. And I think another family had just passed through, I don't know, four or five stalls next to me. So this, this um, older uh, black man comes and he gets right behind me, like stands right behind me. I'm not making this up. And I said, hey, uh, I'm trying to get through. I'm working with, with the gal. And he's like, you need to move. You need to move. I said, uh, you know, I'm thinking this guy must have some sort of weird OCD tick or he can only go through this station on a Tuesday or some sort of weird type of thing that's kind of going on. I kind of get, you know, kind of freaked out with this whole entire thing. So I'm looking at this and I'm like, um, okay, why does he need to come right behind me? And so I'm like, uh, okay. You need to go through that bad. So I just move out of the way because I'm not going to start a fight right there. He doesn't even pay to go through. He literally, as I'm sitting there trying to pay $13 to go through the stall, he literally walks through and there's like a little, it moves about two inches and he knows how to squeeze through. And I'm like, did you guys see that? He just walked through without paying. I said, I'm sitting here trying, I'm stuck here for like 15 minutes. I can't even get through. I'm literally stuck here for 15 minutes. I can't get through. I can't pay. Nothing's, nothing's going through. I said, he just left. And you, you're not going to stop him. Well, unless somebody reports the crime. I'm like, I said, well, what, why can't I just go through? I'm reporting I'm it just, right now. <laughs> I, I'm just going to go. No, I said, I, well, she's not a police officer. She's in there. Well, I said, well, why can't I? She says, you can do whatever you want. I'm like, what? I've been sitting here waiting to pay and reload my cards to go through, and you're not letting me go through? I'm just going to go through. So I said, you just need to let me through. And she said, nope. And so guess what I did? I just went through. I had already reloaded my pass anyway. I said, see, I didn't steal it. Here's my unlimited pass. Boom. I immediately go looking for that guy. <laughs> I go right down. I said, I know I'm going to find this guy. So I went down to go look for him. And I said, hey, you didn't pay. I said, do you ever pay for anything? Do you pay for your bus? You know, and he's a, I don't know. He's probably like in his 
early 50s. He's, a, he's got a few years older than me, and he's a strong man with a deep, deep voice. And I go, I said, do you have any, do you pay for anything? Do you pay for the bus? Do you pay for the measure? He says, I don't have to pay for this. It's a thousand years of Virginia and this, that. I'm like, what are oh, you talking about, dude? Oh I don't even know what you're talking about. Thousand years of Virginia, hundred years of this or whatever. He's like, and then he starts, he goes, January 6th. I'm like, I don't have anything to do with January 6th. I don't even support Trump. What are you talking about? Like, how did I, in my nondescript clothing, all of a sudden am suddenly responsible for you deciding to go blow through the metro for free? I said, this is absolutely and totally ridiculous. I said, it, none of your business what I do. I said, it is absolutely my business what I do. And so this woman, she was a, it was a, um, it was a black family that was on the platform that was there. Her and her two children, her two children are like, Can you, we have children present. We have children present. I'm like, uh, okay. So I stop. I'm like, no big deal. I said, you need to pay for. I told him, you need to pay for your stuff. Okay, and I just right there. And he just starts yammering on, keeps talking, talking, talking to himself. I'm like, well, this is this is no good. So then I, the the family that that gets on board, the family that gets on board, I go and I basically offer an apology to them. I'm really sorry, but I think that your children should be led by a better role model, by a by someone who's actually paying, because I know that you work hard to go ahead and put your. And it was an off day, I guess. I guess kids were off of school or something. I said, I know that it costs a lot for you to get on the metro. You know, I don't. I'm, I'm assuming it costs her what what it cost me, which is thirteen dollars for an all day pass to put these kids on. And he just walks through. No, thank you. Not going to be putting up with it. And if he thinks that he's going to be getting, you know, getting off without a confrontation from me when I'm literally working with the station manager to get through, and it's frustrating, kind of going back and forth and feeling a lot. I'm like, oh, I'm like so done with this. So there you go. Here's what happens in the breakdown of society when you don't have laws and you don't have rules, and people are just kind of going, you know, through the uh, thing without, you know, getting acknowledged or getting, you know, any of that kind of stuff, getting, you know, uh, going through the right uh, hoops to jump through. I'm telling you right now, you've got yourself a breakdown and complete total of a total and complete breakdown of society. And that's exactly what happened right there. And I, I couldn't tell you how incredibly disappointed that I was uh, to see that and why I had to stand up and how there's no one, there's, and people get accosted all the time. People are there. You know, I mean, they're there. Uh, you have to be on the offensive. People, you know, if you have something of value on you, if you have, you know, any any sort of valuables on you, they're there. They're going to take advantage. Who, who, is, who would I get to be reporting that to? Nobody. So if you can steal from the federal government or you can steal from the metro, if you can steal, why can't you steal from anybody else that's, that's on the train? And I will tell you that Washington, D.C. is a very safe place. I mean, as long as you're aware of your surroundings, there are people who are going to be preying upon you just like any place. But I got to tell you, it just it made me sick to my stomach. I'd love to get your thoughts on that, Dowd. I'm, I'm sure you know that I knew immediately that that would be a good story of a man who didn't want to go ahead and pay his way. He had a family right next to him who was totally willing to go ahead and pay their way. Well, I'm just lucky. I'm just I'm happy to know, uh, Eddie, if, if past sins against my people, I, I hate that. I hate that phrase because, you know, what does my people mean? I mean, I, I don't know. Were, were the Irish people 100 years ago my people? I'm an American. I was born in the 70s. I mean, were those my people? Uh, if past uh, offenses against groups of people that you can somehow identify with, I guess, you know, racially, religion, you know, whatever, uh, if they justify freebies today by that standard, 
when I finally make it over to London, I will get to ride around the London Underground for free because of the potato famine. Because in the 1840s, the uh, royals and the people in charge in the UK were exporting food from Ireland when my people were starving. That's what created so so much of the Irish diaspora that ended up coming to America. So uh, if past transgressions justify freebies today, I'm going to have a grand old time next time I go to London. If that's the standard. Well, um, there you go, Dowd. I think we could always lots of uh, comments too. I, I should mention that uh, that Julie was on the train uh, there, and she had she has you know watches and jewelry and things like that. And as she was getting on, um, there was a number of people who were sort of crowding around her that didn't look very friendly. Let's just put it that way. And immediately, like, yeah, you got to watch your purses. You got to watch your. You got to watch everything. You know when you're when you're there so that's one of the very important things i think is you just got to be aware of your surroundings at any and all times so that's one of the things that a lot of people just don't pay attention to if you're walking late at night you're walking somewhere i mean and that's a woman so imagine what's what's going to happen i mean you are trying to go from you know point a to point b and you have to worry about getting your purse stolen you know i mean it's just us easy it's wallets but you know as a woman you know if you're wearing jewelry watches or anything they're sitting there just literally waiting to take advantage of anybody they possibly can 550 5500 lots of other text uh text coming in excuse me um where do we send for our abercrombie and fitch reparations oh that's pretty good uh go woke go broke the turnstile of life that's exactly it let's see eddie as a note i don't wish to stop anybody from making a million the point is that america makes anybody a millionaire regardless of race and i'm happy for all of them. I, that's the way i feel i feel we should all be celebrating everybody's success the east, east coast has a whole different set of rules you have to adapt um I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'd say that goes for anywhere. I think, I think Washington DC is remarkably safer than Albuquerque, New Mexico. Um, and I'll just leave it at that. Eddie, I don't mean to be a pain in the ass, but I'm going to rephrase this. If the Russians are killing children, executing civilians and committing war crimes in Ukraine, I think Putin should be taken out. Oh, okay. And we're the ones to do that. Uh, he's the one that put them in harm's way. I wish we did not have laws in the books of the United States preventing us to do so or letting any private citizen group do so without facing arrest. Uh, let's see. I vote as though I will be rich one day. Huh. I don't know how I feel about that. Why would anybody vote for any sort of type of class? I understand that, but I, I, you know, I wouldn't vote as if what you were aspiring to be. I think you vote for where you're at with the perspective of where you currently are because you don't know where you're going to be. And I don't think that any, I don't think it's the government's job to decide winners and losers. I think that's fair doubt. Yeah. How, how about, uh, what just about voting for freedom and property rights and personal responsibility and non-intervention, non-interventionism, regardless of your income. Yeah. It works for me. Uh, absolutely. What about FUBU? Literally means for us, by yeah. us. Created yes. by Damon John for yeah. uh, black people. Yeah. So there you go. Inherently racist. Uh, Okay, yeah. Maybe the Robert Fripp and Andy Summers from the Police Bewitch and I advanced mast. I'm not sure what that means. I think the vast majority miss the fact that blacks are in the minority of CEOs because they are, well, minorities to start with. Mm, not sure what he means by that. I don't know if that's taking a weird swipe or someone just wanted me to say that. Another stimulus check is in the works for what? To cover the Democrat stupidity of inflation, Eddie? Rather than solve the problem by opening the pipelines in our country, they throw away money into the wind. Biden is a star of waste, fraud, and abuse party. I'm concerned that even Republicans are looking forward to receiving a socialist check. Oh, yeah, especially the Republicans. It's money, after all. 
It's money after all. 110K a year, Eddie, zero student debt and a happy plumber. I love to hear that. That's beautiful. Uh, so easy to get 100K in school loans, but next to impossible to get 10K small business loan. Why is this? Well, there's no business. And remember, the government wants to compete with you. If it can do something better itself without having you do it for them, guess what it will do? It will do it for you. <laughs> uh, hello, I'm a nurse practitioner, Eddie, and I can testify that nurse practitioners and physician assistants do not make half of what the physicians make. Do you get to see the doctor's paychecks? That's what I want to know. Uh, I would probably say, no, you don't. Um, based upon the need and the demand for doctors in the state of New Mexico, I think you and I both know doubt that nurse practitioners and physician assistants make probably somewhere in the 150 to 200K range. I imagine which the is disparity every... is bad on the coast, but I bet you that disparity is much, oh, much it's... smaller in the heartland. Yeah. Ukraine, Russia, USA citizens. Uh, Victims of uh, governments. If Biden is not the root of corruption, he does not want it and pick its fruit. There you go. And finally, this is a group of employees that was walked off the lab property on October 15th, 2021. Greetings, Rock of Talk. Los Alamos National Lab employees with no COVID jab allowed to return to work today to on-site work, but weekly testing and mask wearing on-site. That's with religious exemption. Testing started this morning. That's from Robert up north. Hour three, you and me and the Dowd Makes Three right here in the Kiva on AM 1600 KIVA, BQ.FM, We've got local news to cover and a lot of fun, a lot more talking probably from uh, D. Dowd Muska uh, as well. Thanks everybody for tuning in this
606 in the 505 with more 411 here for your third hour. I am in here on the Rock of Talk AM 1600 KBABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Hour three, you and me, and the Dowd makes three 3,000 local stories, including the Dowd's top clicks and your favorites from all the blast stuff from earlier this morning. Having some apple pie here at the Dowd Moscow, so a great way to finish off things at 807 here from Odentown, Maryland, and uh, 607. Back in uh, the Kiva in Albuquerque. Don't forget, you can catch us on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, podcasting on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify, and downloading our apps at rockoftalk.tv and rockoftalk.com. Or how about taking care of doubt for me by just uh, donating and becoming a subscriber directly at rockoftalk.chat. That's his business. It's what he does. He works hard at it. And, of course, you can find our show notes uh, up there uh, as well. We've got a lot to uh, continue to get to uh, here Boy, the feedback. Uh, we have a small crowd of people who are gathered around to listen to my uh, perspectives, and I got a little bit distracted there on my rants with Abercrombie and Fitch. And, you know, I got to tell you, white and black, uh, you know, Hispanic, brown, yellow, red, uh, whatever color you want to say we are, nobody cares about it. And these continued documentaries, are, I think, are going to continue to uh, fail. Because, honestly, at this point, why are we even caring about color? I think most people feel that way. In fact, we know that uh, Black Lives Matter is a sham. Um, you know, the uh, Asian hate stuff that continues to get drummed up. I mean, we've got far bigger problems to take care of. Nobody cares about any of that. And everyone is pretty cordial and uh, pretty respectful of each other uh, in society. We all like to have fun uh, we, uh, all the time. Um, there's some very interesting things that uh, people have were telling me uh, over the break. So I got caught up a little bit on that. Eric, good job back in studio. Dowd, I'll let you set up the hour. Uh, yeah, well, I think we'll kick off, Eddie, with just uh, the piece that went up today because I, I just can't let go this ridiculous expansion of welfareism in, in New Mexico, the last possible place uh, you, you would want to expand welfare. Uh, we got some good Rona statistics. We got a new study. It's a not peer-reviewed yet, but it's looking interesting about the impact of getting the so-called vaccine after you've been infected. More unintended consequences that you will never hear from the official narrative. And, it, you know, don't, again, don't get me started on that. Uh, new poll, you can't get Amer Americans to agree 94% that puppies are cute. But a new poll shows that 94% of Americans have uh, one particular uh, concern. And we got some, actually, uh, where you are right now, Eddie, in, in, in the swamp, uh, George Washington University is going crazy woke, like, like, like all of them. Uh, some more scaremongering on climate. But what I really want to get to, and it is something of a deep dive, so I, I, I will ask the listeners' indulgence if they just sort of stay with me on this when it comes to the issue of daycare. Um, it's called child care now. We can't call it daycare anymore. Uh, well, I guess it's, it's called child care now. And your governor, uh, our beloved MLG, who has just done such a wonderful job, uh, we, let's see, five months in a row, we have the worst unemployment rate in the country. She has one of the lowest 
approval ratings of, uh, of all governors. She's uh, just knocking it out of the park. Last week, well, let me go back to 2019. Uh, Eddie, there was a reporter, and I think, I think you and I probably have talked about this. There was a reporter who used to be employed by the creepy sex cult Nexium, uh, Keith Raniere, uh, and of course the girl from the Superman show, uh, Allison Mack. Uh, his name was Jens Gould, and he was involved, he was employed by Keith Raniere, that creepy sex cult multi-level marketing guy, and somehow he escaped the, the cult unscathed, and he actually went to work for the Santa Fe New Mexican, the paper of record in our state capital. Um, there was one woman online who has some sort of journalism blog in, in New Mexico who raised this issue of, hey, has anybody noticed that the, the new uh, state government political reporter for the Santa Fe New Mexican, the paper of record for our state capital, used to work for creepy sex cultist Keith Ranieri. Uh, apparently he was welcomed with open arms and nobody nobody had an issue with it at all. Uh, he did not last very long. He wasn't around for very long. But when he was around, he wrote a, a fawning profile of Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham six months into her, her first, what could be her first term. We, we, we don't know. So this is back in July 2019. This is pre- SARS-CoV-2. None of us even remember what life was like pre-SARS-CoV-2, but we we all did. We all were alive, and we we were living our lives. Uh, he wrote this ridiculous article about how wonderful she is, and he used as an example of her energy and her enthusiasm. Uh, what did he say? She um, what did he say that she was on YouTube? She she had a daredevil daredevil image that extended past the roundhouse and found a place on YouTube with that wonderful video of her crashing through the walls. You know, the whole country was excited about. Michelle Lujan Grisham. Uh, one example that he used was she came in office and that evil Republican who was uh, in front of her, the previous governor, had cut the daycare subsidy to families that were at or below 150% of the federal poverty level. So uh, Michelle Lujan Grisham was going to have none of that. She did not care. She One of the first things she did when she took office is we're putting that uh, threshold back up to 200% of po poverty. Uh, we're just going to figure out how to get the money. And so I, quote, took away the fear and barrier from those folks. I took away the fear and barrier uh, from those folks who, who had previously been ineligible for state-subsidized daycare. Okay, so she kicked it back up to 200% percent. Of course, she did find the money because she found the money from the Permian Basin where all the oil is being tapped. And she found the money from the federal government, which kicked, uh, I think we're up to over $26 billion came our way. So last Thursday, the governor announced, and Eddie, the media reaction to this was unbelievable. No, no analysis at all. Uh, just just, just stenographers for, for the elite. Uh, KOET on their website put, click here to apply for this program. They're actually facilitating getting people on welfare in New Mexico, not not questioning whether more people should be on welfare in New Mexico. She announced that that 200% poverty rate threshold was going up to 400%. So now if you are a family of four and you make $111,000, now $111,000 may not be a lot in greater Washington or greater Philadelphia or greater New York or greater San Francisco, $111,000 goes a pretty long way in New Mexico. We're, we're a lower cost of living state. You will get state taxpayer subsidized daycare for your child. The New Mexico Early Childhood Education and Care Department is, quote, waiving 
all child care assistance co-pays for families who qualify. Our eligibility has been expanded to families whose incomes are at or below 400% of the federal poverty level. And again, that means $111,000 a year for a family of four. Now, the daycare industry is a very big industry in America. It's been a very big industry for many, many years. And uh, I'm sure to be angering many listeners right now, or maybe maybe just a few listeners, but daycare, generally speaking, is not good for kids. Uh, children should be raised by family members. Uh, I took 11 years of my life I sacrificed to raise a particular family member who needed his uncle's help because he was sort of, let's just say, on the Asperger scale and, and needed a lot of blood relative uh, 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 investment. The data on daycare for children, it's not that great. Um, I'm going to start with a longitudinal study by the federal government. So longitudinal study means they're tracking the same number of kids. They're not surveying all third graders every five years who happen to be in third grade. They're taking the same number of kids and tracking them. Um, this study, federal study, National Institute of Child Health and Human Development, found that extensive hours in daycare, particularly for young children, particularly those starting in infancy, it's, it's worse the younger you get, were associated with negative social emotional outcomes for kids. By the age of four and a half, children who had spent more than 30 hours a week in childcare, daycare, were significantly more likely to experience negative outcome, uh, including things like uh, conflict with teachers uh, at three times higher the rate of their peers. Uh, just 2% of children who averaged less than 10 hours per week uh, in daycare exhibited behavioral problems compared to 18% of those who averaged 30 hours or more uh, and 24% of those who averaged 45 hours or more per week of daycare. And this is the, this is the, the smoking gun that I, I really enjoy um, because I I hate daycare. I think it's I think it's child abuse, frankly. And I wasn't raised in daycare. And I, I imagine a lot of the people listening to me weren't raised in daycare. I was raised by blood relatives who loved me and cared for me and would go the extra mile. I wasn't raised by low-wage, untrained people who were handling lots and lots of kids. There's uh, one statistic about the average number of two and under children that a daycare worker takes care of. It's something between five and eight. Can you imagine trying to herd and soothe and care for and, intellect and intellectually stimulate eight two-year-olds or under at the same time it's not possible um is that through any one shift out is that is that the feedback that i'm hearing so through any one shift yeah i, I i'll let me i'll try to unpack that number for you it was quoted by an expert okay. uh, who did a, a podcast interview i was actually listening to last night but again this is the federal this is the federal study now what what, what do people on the left people who run new mexico say they care about more than anything poverty poverty is the worst thing in the world we have to do everything we can to alleviate poverty po poverty uh it's uh, it's not compassionate to allow there to be poverty people in poverty in america it's not fair for there to be people in poverty in america what do we know about liberals compassion and fairness those are their moral taste buds they value compassion and fairness more than anything else well those same people are ignoring the federal research, which says, quote, the negative effects associated with extensive hours in daycare rival the effects of poverty itself, meaning kids who were raised in, you know, tough, poor circumstances, usually only one, you know, adult in the house, single mom, single dad, uh, live in bad neighborhoods, go to bad schools. The more daycare you subject a child to, the more it sort of assumes, takes on the impact of being in poverty 
itself. All right, the biggest study, arguably, the biggest study, there's a lot of research out there, and, and social science is not the same as math. It's not the same as physics, but we do the best we can in social science when we're, we're crafting studies and looking at data and trying to figure out what this trend is, what conclusions you can draw. A bunch of economists looked at 20 years of a Quebec policy that made daycare basically either free or extremely low cost. It was universal. They found that uh, the uh, Quebec policy of, of, you know, rent of, of significant daycare had a lasting negative impact on the non-cognitive skills of exposed children. So non-cognitive, it's not like taking tests and things. It's how you interact and your behavior and that kind of thing. At older ages, I mean, they looked at multi-decades going back to the 90s. Uh, program, daycare program exposure is associated with worsened health and life satisfaction and increased rates of criminal activity. Uh, increase in, increases in aggression and hyperactivity are concentrated in boys, not girls. So boys seem to have the, uh, the bigger impact. And it's also concentrated in boys as it relates to the increased crime rate. So what am I saying? I'm not saying that if you send a kid to daycare for an hour, he's going to grow up to be a monster. I'm saying the research is pretty strong. Generally, the younger you put a kid and child in daycare, the worse the, the negative impact. The longer the child is in daycare, average number of hours of week, uh, the worse you are, uh, the, the bigger negative impact. Um, two researchers looked at uh, neuropsychobiological, which is a new term that I, I was not aware of. Neuropsychobiological research. The young ones, the little ones, they need ongoing nurturing interactions a one-on-one -on -one relationship, in particular, someone that they can have uh, attachment security to. Now, attachment security uh, is usually the mother. It doesn't have to be the mother. Sometimes it can be the father, and some kids are raised by grandparents. But the particularly young ones from zero to three, they have to attach to that central figure. It's called attachment security. That central figure, kids have, little, little babies have very bad memories. They have terrible short-term memory. That figure, day in and day out, they look to the face they're soothed by that face. They're held by that. They're fed by that primary person. It's, it's extremely important. And uh, this quote from a liberal Manhattan psychologist who is actually a big fan of all sorts of social policy that I would disagree with, but she studies attachment security. Attachment security is dependent on one go-to person who is the person you go to when you're in distress. We're talking about younger children now. It's usually your mother. It can also be your father, but it is not a daycare worker who is transient, who you see a few hours a day, and who may come and may go. Another element of this, uh, there's a great sociologist named uh, Bradford Wilcox. The message sent by the push for universal childcare is that ultimately work matters more than family. And here's, I think, where you really have to look at the Luhan Grisham uh, press release, where she just keeps mentioning families over and over again. We're helping families. We're helping families. We're helping families. Well, how much are you helping families if you're hurting children? Uh, the people pushing for this, and, and the sociologist made this point, people like Melinda Gates and Elizabeth Warren were wealthy women who are pushing universal childcare for you know everyone in America. But when it came to raising their own children, they did not put their own children in daycare for 45 hours uh, a week. There's a tremendous amount of hypocrisy there. So the research is pretty clear. The younger you go with children, the more damaging daycare is. The more hours they're in daycare, uh, the more damaging the long-term effects are. Eddie, there is some research saying super, super high-quality daycare, which means really highly trained daycare workers, extremely low ratios, 
even one-to-one ratios uh, in terms of caregiver to the child who's receiving the care in, you know, really wonderful nurturing settings. Uh, there are some effects, uh, some beneficial effects from that, but that's basically mim- mimicking what the home environment is. So you've got Lujan Grisham embracing, Joe, Joe Biden is pushing this at the federal level, universal child care. We are at a point now in New Mexico where we are about to implement universal child care in New Mexico. It's wonderful for Lujan Grisham. It's going to buy her votes. It feeds her ideology, which is all about big government and feminism and, you know, society should provide to take care of children because women should be out living their best lives in the workplace. And no mother should have to worry about child care if she wants to prioritize her career. And uh, as I think we learned from that example, uh, it really feeds her monstrous ego that she's bringing good things to New Mexico. The research suggests um, not so great for kids, not so great for kids. Uh, I think this is an atrocity. The idea that she, I mean, we can expect the worst from Michelle Luan Grisham. The idea that the media, they just trot right along with another big expansion of the welfare state in New Mexico. It's appalling, Eddie. Yeah, the Permian Basin and the federal government mean that we can afford it. But to me, that's not the issue. If you're claiming to care about children and you're claiming to care about families and you're pushing policies that break the link between children and their parents, particularly that central core parent that you need in those early years of development, early years of brain development, you're not helping New Mexico families. You're not helping New Mexico children. You're hurting us. Uh, This is absolute madness. I think the research is pretty strong on this, Eddie. And uh, I, I, I guess it's left to me once again to be the only naysayer when it comes to the government in this state, this uh, frequently self-destructive state, to tell the truth that we should not be happy about this. This is actually a very bad thing for our state. And uh, if you want to read it, Eddie, I've made this free to all because it's such an important issue. This is a paywall-free piece at rockoftalk.chat. I have links to all the social science research on the impact of children, particularly young children, put in daycare environments. This is an atrocity. Michelle, who I mean, no Republican will, will run on this because it'll make them look bad. I'm not running for anything. I'm just telling the truth. It's disgusting. It's vile. It's certainly right up her policy alley, but it's not good for New Mexico. And we should be ashamed of this new program, not proud of it. Well, I don't know that anybody is armed with the uh, stats. So let's break let's break you down because I don't know that I could come over the top of anything that you've stated and put a finer point on it. I think it's really good, um, Dowd. So let's let's question the information there uh, from two points. One, you've done the work. Why did you choose to focus on this? Let's get let's get to that. <laughs> <laughs> Why did I focus on this? Uh, I, I'm a I've chronicled the many, many ways, whether it's subsidized housing, whether it's uh, food stamps, uh, you know, Medicaid, which I think the last time we looked at the stats, something like 45% of New Mexicans are on Medicaid. That's free health care for the poor. Uh, New Mexico, to me, Eddie, is ground zero. It's exhibit A in the legal case against big government as a means to produce human flourishment, wealthy societies. Uh, People like Michelle Luan Grisham, they look to blue states like California and Connecticut and Minnesota, and they say, oh, these are, we have all these wonderful social programs in these states because that's how they produced these good outcomes. And if you look at a lot of the blue states, Massachusetts, a lot of, a lot of new, 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 uh, a lot of New England states, a lot of uh, states along the Canadian border, people like Michelle Luan Grisham, they think 
They've got the causality exactly wrong. They think that these blue states implemented social, broad social welfare programs, and that's why their test scores are high, and that's why crime is generally lower in these states. They got it exactly wrong. These societies worked very hard, kept their family structure together, did not embrace welfare, and they built immense wealth, which produced tax revenue that, then, that, that they then used to implement the social welfare programs. So we have been running the opposite experiment in New Mexico, which is we're going to use, you know, we never produced wealth, we never produced a strong economy, we never produced good socioeconomic outcomes, but we're going to implement these programs and they're going to produce the good outcomes we want. Uh, it is exactly, exactly, exactly backwards. And I got, I got to say, Eddie, there's got to be some people in Santa Fe who, who, who understand this concept, but they don't care. Uh, they preen themselves on spending other people's money and saying they care about children. They don't look at the research or they know about it, but just, you know, shove it to the side. Uh, it's very, very, very sad. This kind of a program, it makes people in Corrales with their Tibetan prayer flags feel awfully good about themselves. Uh, it's going to produce either no results or it's actually going to produce negative results in our state. Uh, it is appalling for me to observe these hypocrites well. claim to care about children continually expand the welfare state, which is not helping children in New Mexico. So from your standpoint, it would appear to me that nobody has looked at this research, that this is confirmation bias to pass how many millions of dollars and then overall billions of dollars of the budget. So, you know, I mean, if we're asking our legislators to be responsible here and examine this, um, how far or how long would it take them um, aside from getting a subscription to rockoftalk.chat for them to produce and look at something like this doubt and say, you know what, this is wrong. This shouldn't be on. So that's my, my first question. How quickly, if someone was conscientious enough to do it, how, how quickly could they stumble upon or find this information since they found the confirmation bias that, hey, kids, kids get votes, ergo, I will vote for programs that support early childhood education. Ergo, I will vote for subsidizing children's uh, childhood education. Uh, you know, I think that's it. Oh, wow. Thank you so much. All right, we'll see you. So I think that that would, uh, I think that would probably not take very long, right? No, no. Uh, there's good research. And one of the things that uh, I've discovered some interesting uh, policy organizations lately, Eddie, that when when you get involved in family policy, it's usually Michelle Lujan Grisham on the left and religious conservatives on the right. And so we're becoming more of a secular society. And so I'm really, you know, you can go to Dr. Dobson's people who will tell you how horrible daycare is and how Jesus wants mothers to be with their children. But I'm a policy guy. I'm a research guy. I, I can't go to those sources. And I can't, at the end of the day, I can't talk about myself. I, I did mention early on here my personal bias against this. There are, uh, there's ample research. There's a, uh, there's a wonderful organization called the Institute for Family Studies. Uh, I've been listening all weekend. I've been listening to podcasts and, and interviews with a woman named Erica Commissar. She's a, a Manhattan liberal uh, who's done, uh, who's actually written books on this, the attachment security bond that a young baby needs with a, a, cent a central adult that can soothe them and reduce the cortisol levels in children. And when you don't have that, it doesn't teach the coping mechanisms that children need that they will they will be able to get through life later, you know, down the road when things get a little rough and things are inevitably going to get rough for, for all of us. Every, every day you get older, that's a law. Uh, the research is out there. I could refer you to the research. 
the educational researchers at the Roundhouse Legislative Finance Committee, these are people who I've never seen, quote, uh, what, what I would consider the credible research. They're sort of all in teacher union, uh, happy talk, uh, all, all, it, the public investment argument about this is a public investment. Uh, we need to be looking at the other angle, the, the completely other approach to this, which is how do you actually strengthen families so that children and children, yes, some 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 married couples are bad to their children, but but for the most part, when you have intact families, all right, that are that love each other, that have economic security, well, the father is the head of the household. Eddie talks about that. Uh, the mother is a loving, kind caregiver, the, the primary caregiver. The research backs up that more socially conservative argument. It doesn't back up the Michelle Luan Grisham argument. So it's kind of a twofer for the for for the Corrales Moonbats. This is kind of a twofer. We get to expand the welfare state, and we also uh, it's we also get to deny those evil conservative Christian right wingers who are all troglodytes stuck two centuries ago. We've evolved beyond these old notions of family togetherness: father as the head head of the household, mother as the primary uh, source of emotional stability. Uh, we've evolved. You know, we're so wise. We're so evolved. We've all evolved beyond that. And you know, we have people from Yale University telling us we should do this. The research, the, to me, the credible research, all indicates the exact opposite of this. I know that some families have it tough. Both parents have to work. Daycare is maybe not always, uh, you know, maybe some households, we've already gotten a little feedback on the website. Maybe daycare is the only option, but you need we need to be instructing young people coming of age and starting to have their own children, which is pretty prevalent in, in New Mexico, that they need to wait. <laughs> they need to establish good two-parent households that have at least some measure of economic security. They have to stay on good terms with grandma and grandpa who are going to be available for their children instead of empowering government. It's wonderful for MLG. She gets to spend the money. Eddie, you, you will see commercials this fall where she said we ha we now have universal where she says now we have universal child care in New Mexico and I'm the one to do it vote MLG. Um, the media won't do its job. The media rock of talk chats. That's why you got to subscribe, ladies and gentlemen. You're not going to get this perspective from any other outlet. Um, families are tough. Kids are tough. Some moms have to you know, raising kids is tough. Some some mothers have to work. I'm simply saying feeding an unsustainable reality instead of taking a step back, looking at the research and actually starting to tell the truth. That would be an example of something Mr. Aragon calls leadership in New Mexico, something we actually don't have. We have people who perpetuate the status quo and benefit from the status quo. How many more, I mean, how many more votes, how many more workers, uh, unionized yeah. workers in some cases by expanding daycare in New Mexico are going to end up helping people like MLG. Eddie, I know this is a sensitive topic. Uh, we have, I'm sure we have working moms listening to us. I would just encourage you, I took the paywall down for this. Read the piece. I have links to all the research that I cite, rockoftalk.chat. Can we at least spark a discussion debate instead of the mindless happy talk you get from KOAT, including a link? Here's how you can sign up for the program. I come at it, I think, Eddie, and you come at it from a very different perspective. Well, I'll tell you, I think that... Um if we're spending this kind of money and we're going to manipulate people's emotions and saying it's for the children and the data clearly shows that this is something that will further reduce the quality of life for every child there and you're inserting the government and sort of as uh 
you know, mommy, daddy, the nanny states uh, all over again. I mean, this is at the core, I think, of everything. And and you, you refer to it as a sensitive topic. Uh, I think that's it behooves the Republican Party to move entirely to the other side on this argument, as opposed to have how many possible Republicans voted for early childhood, uh, meals in schools. I mean, I, I would dare I say, I, I hate to ask this question, but I would imagine there was probably no Republicans who voted against uh, any of the Early Childhood Education Act and all this. So they said throwing more money at it. And folks, we clearly have the, de- excuse me, Dowd clearly has the data here that shows you that early childhood education lowers the quality of life of children. What helps is supporting the family, jobs, opportunities, direction, support by way of making sure that there is those opportunities, not by replacing those opportunities with dependency. And that's exactly what's happened here. Um, the, The data couldn't be any clearer to me, but I can't imagine anybody taking the unpopular for whatever reason this is, uh, it's not an unpopular political position if you're informed. If everybody had this information and knew just how bad early childhood education was for your children by you not spending your ch- time with your kids. So for those of you who are making the excuse and saying, oh, I got to stay home. I can't go back to school. I can't go back to work because I need to stay stay home with my kid. Well, that's good. And if your boss wants to let you keep your job, I think that that's good as well, because that's a hell of a lot better than having any sort of daycare whatsoever. But we do know that the people who are actually using those daycare accounts are the people, by and large, who oftentimes don't have jobs, not the people who are gainfully employed. The people who are trying to do it one and the other and doing it the right way, I have a tendency to say that those people are trying to take care of everything else, just like they're trying to take their take care of their bills on their own. They're trying to take care of their life on their own. They're probably trying to take care of their children on their own as well, Dad, while they're trying to hold down a job. It's just my my view of the world. Um, the data supports, I think, what I'm my opinion there uh, for sure. And a child is always better off with people that it loves. And I say it in that I can't say he or she, but uh, I think you need to need to know that this is the real data, folks. And I think you need to keep your children out of public ed- uh, educational institutions. This could be something that Mark Ronchetti can run on. This could be something that Rebecca Dow runs on. But I would imagine that Rebecca Dow may have voted in support of this. Um, can you uh, can you help me out on on that front, Dowd? Yeah, let me. I'll, I'll check. Uh, I'll check tonight the vote on the creation of a brand new bureaucracy, the Department of Early Childhood Education. That's a separate department now from the PED. We had to have a whole okay. new bureaucracy on this. But Eddie, I, you know, we, in our it just gets it gets me it just gets my blood boiling because I took care of a child for eleven years. In this country, it's all for the children. We never we never stop talking about how much we love our children. We expose them to terrible media, including social media. We have a 40% out of wedlock birth rate. We send them to government, monopoly, unionized schools. I don't see any evidence that we love our children in America. I see that things are going in the opposite direction. And it just gets me really, really worked up. And I will uh, describe a, a situation in which the famous radio personality, Dr. Laura Schlesinger, was in, uh, she was the guest on Donahue years ago. And I think Donahue oh, yeah. put, put all right. women in the audience so they could all hiss at Dr. Laura for, for holding people accountable to their for the, the, the moral choices they've made, which is what Dr. Laura basically does. So all the women were there. And she said, raise your hand 
if you were raised by your parents, your family, and you, you weren't daycare, you know, 40 hours a week. And so all the women raised their hands because this was, you know, decades ago. And then she said, all right, now lower your hand if you wish that you had been raised by low wage, low wage uh, strangers instead of your, your loved ones. Not one hand Ooh. went down. Not Ooh. one hand That's went right. down. And I will end with, with this quote. Uh, again, this is a, a, a psychologist in, in Manhattan. Uh, Erica Commissar, who's a big-time liberal, but she's done the neuropsychological, uh, neuropsychobiological research on children. In my practice, and she treats you know adults, you know a lot of women too with children. I see many parents who are struggling with their children's emotional dysregulation after their child has been exposed to excessive amounts of stress in understaffed group care situations with too many children and too few caregivers. Children who are separated from their parents before they have developed a deep feeling of emotional security will seek such care from indiscriminate strangers, which is not normal and often a sign of an attachment disorder. They may also show signs of fear or disinterest in their interactions with adults. And finally, they may show signs of aggression. The fight or flight response is our instinctual evolutionary way of protecting ourselves in stressful and threatening situations. All of these responses are signs of stress in children. That is a liberal feminist Manhattanite describing the vital importance, particularly at the age of zero to three, of you know bonding and attachment to parent and parents. To the extent that Michelle Lujan Grisham, through this expansion, uh, this eligibility expansion is going to be separating more kids from their parents, ladies and gentlemen. I submit to you, and I will not walk this back, Michelle Luan Grishin is promoting de facto child abuse. Uh, great report. Unless we actually can get this information out, and this is where we need your help, folks, unless we can actually uh, defend these positions, unless a politician like Mark Ronchetti or Rebecca Dow, who are the only two who have enough money to actually do something uh, at this particular point, uh, as far as I'm concerned, and you know, Mark has, I think, twice as much as Rebecca does right now, you've got to get this information out there, and you've got to run on these issues. And this has to be, I think, imperative to the platform. I'm interested to see how Mark raised his kids. Um, I don't know how. Um, please, please, please stop commenting on. Anyway, um, I think if we can attach this type of uh, conversation to a platform, then it's something that we can actually change because I think it's become such a distraction and it's such a mistake that it cre will create and cement further problems going forward because what do they ultimately want to do? They want to get to your children at an earlier and earlier point, the indoctrination. Yep. If they can create the separation detachment, then they can create the reattachment uh, there to the government. And I think, you know, it's all over about the crying uh, at that point, folks. So good topic. Sorry we spent the hour on it. It, but I was endlessly I'm fascinated <laughs> by it. No, I'm I'm en I'm en I'm endless endlessly fascinated by uh, this, and I think that this is important. I was just like, "Are you kidding? Really?" So you're telling me something that I didn't know, uh, and I don't think anybody else really knows. Doubt immediately we hear childhood education, and we say, "Okay, it must be a good thing. This is what we should do." Instead, we're finding that uh, it is absolutely screwing our kids up. All right, Doubt, your top five from this morning. Rock of Talk dot chat. By the way, folks, I'll be back. In studio tomorrow, flying out early. Uh -huh. Did my uh, meeting here and uh, on my way back to take on the rest of the week. So looking forward to that. So I'll see you bright and early in the Cuba tomorrow at 4 p.m. Dowd, your top five.
Uh, let's ask Mr. Aragon to bring some rain when he comes back westward because uh, we, we need it in New Mexico. Uh, your picks, you subscribers out there in subscriber land uh, and you future subscribers at 20 cents a day. Uh, the most popular links of the day. Number one, I, Eddie, did we talk about this earlier today? Uh, a new study, preprint study showing that the vaccine actually impairs your immune response uh, when it comes to certain uh, levels of antibodies. We can, we can get into more detail of that tomorrow. Uh, doesn't surprise anyone who's been paying attention. Vaccine's not necessarily good for you. Uh, number two, the pan I love this phrase, the pandemic industrial complex. We have to get rid of the fear porn, but we also have to rip apart the pandemic industrial complex and make sure that it never comes back. Uh, number three- Let me respond to it uh, real quick on the first one. Dr. Summers, I think you probably caught it this weekend, says it's not a vaccine if it doesn't prevent it from happening. By the very definition of the word vaccine, if the vaccine isn't preventing it it's not a vaccine it's gene therapy all right number three sorry uh, number three the ghost of kiev the great pilot of, of, of kiev is not uh, he's not real and uh, people wanted to finally find out that ukraine finally admitted that he's not real uh number four 94 percent we got to get to this tomorrow uh in america you can't get 94 percent of americans to agree on anything 94 percent of people are worried about inflation and number five eddie these people are so malevolent samantha powers the awful samantha powers is saying that the ukraine war and the increase in global food prices are going to hasten the green transition and we need to seize this opportunity dead people are dying in the ukraine and samantha powers think thinks this is a wonderful opportunity for wow. policy change <laughs> yeah well i'll tell you uh, uh i tell you think the uh, 2022 election needs to be about one term one thing and one thing only and that's win whip inflation now uh, folks you are you are literally going to be talking about going forward uh, massive numbers of people losing their jobs businesses sh shutting down uh, and the economy will crash if you think it's going well uh, just wait for the uh, necessary pain thresholds to set in by way of inflation businesses will not be able to keep up with this and uh, it'll be better for them to go ahead and slow down altogether it's Biden inflation time we'll see you tomorrow bright nearly 4 p.m thanks everybody for tuning in right here in the Kiva. Thanks to the people in New York and D.C. for welcoming me and I appreciate uh, all you guys tuning in. I'll be back in studio tomorrow for, and for the rest of the week on AM 600 KIV, ABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. The great Bill O'Reilly is next.